this list sucks. This list sucks. This list sucks. This list sucks. Happy Friday. Welcome back to This List Sucks. I'm JB. I'm Mike. And we have another special guest today. It mm. felt a little weird last week without mm. a special guest, didn't it? I mean... It felt good. I don't mean it felt bad. It felt good. <laughs> but it had just been so long. It had been a solid five, six weeks, right? We had gone a long time with having guests. So maybe the best analogy is that it felt like we were jerking off with our left hand because <laughs> guests had become our right hand. I think that's the best analogy. Yeah. There's nothing that could better sum up the situation. Because the it's still, I, had. I mean, yeah. it still felt good. Yeah. It definitely still it felt good. It was just weird. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. All right. Listen, we'll go with we're the jerk back off to our analogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, though, special guest, Bryce Wagner. Thank you so much for being here tonight, Bryce. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. I've been uh, excited to do this since. Wait, did you go sad trombone? Go ahead, whenever you want. This is going to be a champagne pop for Bryce. (laughs) Woo! Woo! Hot dog. Hot dog. All right. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Bryce. Though, me and Bryce, we play music together. Bryce is in my band, Pale Blue Earth. Shout out, Pale Blue Earth. He's a bass player, and so is Mike. So they're going to gang up on me bass styled. Oh, yeah. Kind of. We're going to tag team you. That's what Bryce and I were talking about earlier. Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> do a little Eiffel Tower action. Oh, jeez. <laughs> hey, speaking of Pale Blue Earth, do you guys have a show lined up uh, that, we can, that we can plug shamelessly? <laughs> <laughs> Tell them about our show, Bryce. Well, uh, you know what? <laughs> our show is going to be in Orient, Iowa. Yeah, we, we have a show. And uh, apparently it's going to be at the childhood home of Henry Wallace. <laughs> Are you being fucking that's, serious that's right about now? all I know, actually. <laughs> serious. <laughs> I don't know any other details. Uh, our keyboard player, Pete, set it up. He said it was going to be a good time, and we trusted him. We'll find out we whether just said, or not sure. that was a good idea. Yeah. Where um, the fuck is Orient, it's Iowa? Out by, it's out by Winterset. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it's not too far away, and uh, he made he made it sound like it was a pretty cool festival. Nice. So I looked like, up what, 400? The, yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, I, I looked up on the website for where we're going to play, and it looks like they're going to have pizza. So, I mean, that's a win. <laughs> hey, that's a win for us. You know, if we show up, we don't get paid, but we get to eat pizza you and play eat music, pizza? then I'm cool with that. Yeah, it's a Especially solid... after not being able to play live music for, like, a year. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'll, I'll play anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. We'll dude, I would go, go fucking anywhere at this point in time to see live music. <clears throat> I know. But it feels like we're at the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Yeah, because we are going to go some places to see yes. some live music this, this summer, in fact. Hooray! Yeah. Should we talk about that, too? There was yeah, a really big announcement that. that we should definitely talk about. Woo! Something that a lot of people As have been waiting for. These guys. Yeah. Fucking shirt. That's why. Fish. That's why I wore this shirt. Uh. Happy fishing. <laughs> happy fishing. That's why we're like, this is my summer tour 2019 shirt. Fucking so excited to get a summer tour 2021 shirt. 2021. And there's a part of me that hopes that they had printed a whole bunch of shirts for summer to tour 2020. That. Yeah. And I hope that I can buy a 2020 tour shirt. It's just like crudely written over with a Sharpie, a yeah. one instead oh, of a zero. Oh, that would be so sweet. Just a bunch of <laughs> interns that had to fucking scribble out like <laughs> thousands yeah, and like thousands of shirts. You buy like a tour shirt with all the dates on it and all the ones that got canceled, you know, just like scribbled out <laughs> on the back. Crossed out. <laughs> with a Sharpie. Yeah. Like a fucking six-year-old did it. Or That'd they just perfect. literally rip that piece of fabric out and there's just a hole in the shirt. <laughs> yeah. Do people pay extra for that kind of shit? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Relic. It's, it's one of a kind. It's one of a kind. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, so Fish is coming back and they're doing a summer and a fall tour. So hopefully this will just be 
Hopefully it'll just be mayhem all summer and all fall. Oh, dude, I hope so. I saw a funny meme today uh, because recently the CDC lifted the masks for people yes. that have vaccines. In the meme was a uh, it was somebody's tweet and it said basically the CDC saw that uh, fish continued tour and said fuck it <laughs> <laughs> whatever okay so so I have been thinking about this a lot and I can't remember who exactly I've talked with about this because I don't know that I've talked with you about this JB and I definitely haven't talked with you about it Bryce but um is there any part of you that is a a little bit weirded out I mean listen we've all been vaccinated right yeah and now the CDC is basically saying if you've been vaccinated. <clears throat> You don't fucking transmit it. You don't get sick from it. So that's why they're saying if you've been vaccinated, you really don't have to worry about masks indoors yeah. or outdoors. But I'm not going to lie to you. There was a part of me that I was thinking about, like I was thinking about the lot. I'm thinking about the lawn, like all these general admission places. And there was a part of me that I was like, fuck, that's going to be weird being well, around a bunch it's of people be super without weird. a mask on. You got to right? think about the people that you're with, because like when you're hanging out with your crew, it's different. But like yeah. when you're in the lot, like, how many times have you been at a show having a great time and a total stranger reaches back and is like, dude, you're like, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know how I'm going to feel about that this yeah, time. That's, that's <laughs> going to be a little bit weird, right? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's not going to be the same. It'll be pods without pods. Well, and even That's kind like of the way I'm envisioning this. The last uh, today and yesterday going to the store, you know, like yesterday I went into the store for lunch. Uh, I went to Hy-Vee downtown without a mask on. And Seriously? Yeah, I did because I was wow. like, I, well, I keep my uh, vaccination in case. card in my pocket oh, in case wow. anybody wants to razz me about okay. it. You know, not, right. like, I'm not being a dick. Like, yeah. I'm showing you my card. This is what the CDC said. But yeah. it really did feel like uh, almost like those dreams that you have where you go to school without your pants on. Yeah, like, I like felt the like weird that walking into the store. I was like, whoa, and people are looking at me like I'm not wearing pants and like, it so definitely was, felt that way, but I haven't been that brave yet. Like I went into Price Chopper today. I went down to Fourth and Court Hy-Vee today, and every time I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm still putting my mask on, and maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe it's, it's just habit at this point. It is, yeah. But well, at the same time, like you know, I'm looking. You and I have had this conversation about like I miss seeing people's faces. Yeah. You know, my daughter has this piano teacher that's been coming to our house for fucking six months now. And you've and never seen, seen their face. I've never seen this woman's full face. That's, yeah, you know that's sad. And actually, I, I agree. But I, but I mean, you know, not unnecessary. It's not unnecessary. We understand why we did it, but it's nice to get out of it. But yeah. I have the I have kind of the same experience because I've probably had at least fifteen plus students that have started throughout this year that I have never seen their faces. You've never seen their faces. Because we wear masks. Yeah. Well, and yeah. The, a couple of them finally now were like, hey, we're both vaccinated. Let's stop wearing masks. And I'm like, wow, that is not what I expected the bottom half of your face to look like at all. Yeah. It, it, that's the thing. <laughs> if you haven't seen their face, it's never what you expect. It, I think it's like a mental phenomenon. You like start to construct based on the top half of their face, what the whatever you expect like. the bottom half to look like. Yeah. And thus far, it has been vastly different on all accounts, every single it's time. It's like when you're building Lego characters and you put the body of a fucking Star Wars character with a Harry Potter head on it, yeah. right? And you're like, this shit's not right. Yeah. Well, this I could tell you right too, like, you just like finally, uh, when we were, when we've been practicing, we've all been wearing a mask, you know, especially... Mm -hmm. You know, Pete, he works in his school and, you know, so like, I mean, we're, we're trying to be really cautious, but now we've all been double poked. Yeah. And uh, so we finally, our last and two been vaccinated. Practices, yeah, that's what I mean, double poked. <laughs> well, well, I know that was the... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't but, know uh, how close you guys were in the band. Now I know. Listen, there's an initiation. But, uh, 
<clears throat> you don't realize how weird it is to communicate with one another while wearing a mask because there's there's a lot of facial expressions like for cues like like we're about to move on and yep. your eyes you would think that like you know eyebrow movements or something would be enough but it's not and no. it's simply not or like to watch somebody play something like you know like play a little fill like every now and then JB will play like a cool fill during practice and I look over I'm like but he can't see that I'm doing that behind a mask. I'm just like, you know, and so we're okay, just like What's wrong looking with at each other, you know, or or like even sometimes I'll play something and maybe JB's doing that to me. I'm like, did I fuck up? Like, I, I think I might have fucked up, and it, it might just yeah. be JB being like, nice, dude. Yeah, no, you fucked up. But no, I mean, that? it's it's definitely it's awesome. Shows are coming back. Yeah. I mean, everything's live, going back. Yeah, live music is coming back. Fucking normalcy is coming back, and um, and it's weird because I was listening to NPR this morning, and there was this woman on NPR that was talking about, will this give license to people that haven't been vaccinated to basically just say, fuck this, I don't want to wear a mask. I didn't. I never wanted to wear a mask to it begin absolutely with. Absolutely will. So I'm going to take off this mask, and if anybody asks me, I'm just going to say, fuck you, I'm vaccinated. <clears throat> I hope unless they were to like require card showing, which that's a whole nother. I thought about, I honestly thought about some flavor flavor shit, right? Like get my big clock. Yeah. (laughs) But, but getting my fucking vaccination card, right? Like just figuring out some type of laminate where I could just shove that shit in and get some nice thick gold chain to wear my my neck. Well, I mean, there you go. I fit mine in my wallet, you know? So like if somebody, Wants to grief. ask me or give me give me a razz about it. Be like, dude, hey, listen, like I got this. That's why I did it. You know, let's celebrate that yeah. we can do it now. Don't I've actually got an time. appointment. I'm getting mine tattooed right here. <laughs> oh hell yeah, so. dude! I was, you better leave a spot because I heard cool. you might have to get a. Third you might have one to get a booster, year. so just make sure that you make yeah. sure that you can and get that. Yeah, it's gonna go the all the way down. I'm gonna have like number one, two, three. You know, yeah, a spot for the date. It's there gonna be, go. yeah, it's gonna be great. Okay, so in addition to live music coming back, in addition to fish coming back, hooray! But for those of the, for those of our listeners that don't give a fuck about any of that, how yeah. about the new music today? Okay, so because there was some. Did you listen to that today. fucking killer new Saint Vincent album today? Fuck yeah, I did. Oh, that was my the first God. thing that I listened to, dude. It, it surprised me because I had listened to the singles a couple of weeks ago because I saw that it was like an upcoming release on Apple Music, and so I listened to the the two singles that were out. But it kind of surprised me because when I pulled it up today, I saw it under the new releases, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" The whole thing came out today. Yeah, yeah, dude. Girl I was crushes. I was literally at work, and like you know, I, I've been scrambling uh, as a dad and working a full time job trying to. <clears throat> make these notes and like thinking back on the podcast things that you do and welcome to our and world. like oh no i know <laughs> i'll tell you what if anybody that's listening ever becomes a guest on this podcast you have no idea what these guys i mean these guys did a way better job taking notes than i did you have no idea how much this is like another job like how much yeah. work you put into it like but it's a super fun job oh no it's, it's fun it <clears throat> was definitely not tedious it didn't feel like a chore it was like I was at work and I'm like, I cannot wait to go home and take these notes. Take but, some notes. That's right. But I was thinking today, I was like, oh shit, I need to look up new releases. And I looked up, <laughs> I, I just typed in on Google, you new releases Michael, Michael Shaney, if you didn't look up new and, releases. Uh, St. Vincent dropped her new album. Daddy's today, Home. Daddy's Home. And uh, Daddy's home. I remember a few weeks back, she was a guest on SNL. And usually when my wife and I watch SNL, we watch it on Hulu. We fast forward through the musical guest. Oh, but, but when you s- listen to it, right? With but her? with St. Vincent, I was like, oh my God, she's coming out with new stuff. Yeah. And I really loved watching her on SNL because 
she kind of like I don't know, kind of had like a Bowie vibe. Like she definitely She's super has like a, a, a persona, like an alter ego. It's like mm-hmm. Saint Vincent is her Ziggy Stardust. That's right. And to watch her, like I explained to my wife today when we had dinner, I was like, I listened to this album because we both thoroughly enjoyed that live performance. I was mm-hmm. like, this album to me feels like if an artist that you loved in the seventies were able to come fast forward, like Bill and Ted style come to today <laughs> and have all of that fucking access to all of the new, all the production, value. All the new production stuff and make that album. St. Vincent, she took that and that that's what she made with yeah, this album. And like, absolutely. I, I was even uh, texting JB about it um, here. I'm going to pull it up just cause it's so fresh to me. While you read that, um, in that same vein, I was talking to Justin Handel, another friend of the podcast today, about the new St. Vincent album. He said, let me pull up his message. He said, honestly, it reminds me of late stage Prince. And I was like, Mm. yeah, I get that. I can see that, especially some of the vocals, you know? Yeah. Um, But uh, I I was telling JB as we were listening, because I think him and I were pretty much listening to it at the same time. I had to pause (laughs) it every now and then because of work. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> living the dream, it really like the guitar starts off and sounds a lot like us and them from Pink Floyd. Oh, okay. And I was like, it was oh, super floaty. Yeah, it was I really got that, floaty. and I also got uh, like the verses of "Comfortably Numb" from that song. Just the kind of spaciness and the echoey and the vocal style. Honestly, it was like super laid back, and mm-hmm. yeah. Well, then and then after it was very that, Steely Dan for me. There was another yeah. song super right Steely after Dan. "Living the Dream." That she actually mentioned "Dark Side of the Moon" in the lyrics, and yeah, and wow, and, and like I didn't she dig said, that deep. "Dark Side of the Moon," and man, I'm having such a brain fart. But like, there's like a slide guitar <laughs> in uh, one of the songs in "Dark Side of the Moon," like right. What what song is it? Right before "Money," the, there's there's like a slide guitar uh, and like the, uh, the great gig in the sky. Yes, it, it, it like borrowed a riff, like the like mm. borrowed that slide guitar riff right after she said Dark Side of the Moon. And I was like, I feel like this might be intentional a little nice. bit. It very well could maybe be. Maybe not. Maybe, Listen, maybe I'm just reading too hard into super, it. She's super, super fucking smart. And, um, and Apple does this write-up where they were clearly interviewing her, and she talked about how with Mass Seduction, the previous album, like everything about that album was incredibly tight and kind of strict in terms of how she was... Um, composing the music, even down to all of the outfits that she wore on that tour. And I was, I feel really lucky because my wife and I, we took Victoria to see her over in Omaha when she played on that tour. That's so awesome. And she fucking smashed. She did two sets. One of them was basically like a greatest hit set of all of her earlier stuff. And then the second set, she played Mass Seduction cover to cover, which was really dope because i love that record it's probably my favorite saint vincent record which i know a lot of people that are big fans of saint vincent will probably think is somewhat sacrilege um who cares but, but i, I absolutely love that one. <laughs> loved it i mean i loved every fucking track on that on record. mass seduction or on the yes, new one no on mass seduction i felt the same way about mass seduction personally my favorite is the self-titled yeah like the one with prince johnny and uh birth and reverse and all those tunes i just really i fucking love every song on that that's one of those every song records is just as good as the next yeah and mass seduction i almost feel that way but for me it's, it's that it's got to be that the one that came before it 
But this was so much fun because it was so loose relative to what she did before. And that's kind of what she was alluding to in the interview. You know, she was like, listen, everything was so tightly choreographed on my previous album that on this album, I just wanted it to be really loose and kind of organic feeling and fucking nailed it. It's so good. I will say, I do do want to share uh, my St. Vincent story. Not very long, but the first time I ever listened to St. Vincent, um, I was broke as hell. It was summer, <laughs> eighty thirty five was going on, and I had this awesome idea to get into the festival with a friend. I had a backpack full of beer, and I was like, I'll tell you what, if we just like dance through the line and feel confident, they're not going to stop us. So we did. <laughs> and so the very first time I ever heard St. Vincent was St. Vincent and David Byrne at eighty thirty five. Ooh, which is funny because today... We are going to talk about a Talking Heads album, With David and Byrne. it's David Byrne's birthday. What? Today. Yeah. It's David Today. Byrne's birthday? It is. Oh, happy birthday, David happy Byrne. Happy birthday, David Byrne. You son of a bitch. This is kind of off topic, but I just wanted to share my funny sneaking into 8035 story. Oh, hell yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> I think it was the year after St. Vincent was here, and I was similarly broke. And uh, I was li- uh, So my friend had gone down, and... I was just, I was living with a bunch of guys at the same time, kind of like a, like a bachelor pad type of house. And my buddy was down there. I texted him and said, Hey, what color are the wristbands? (laughs) (laughs) And he sent me a picture and I literally went to Nobby's and bought a whole package of the same color wristbands, and I got Dude. like twenty five people into it. Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> oh my god! Allegedly, allegedly. I well mean, done. I felt. I mean, looking back, I feel pretty shitty about it, but I had no money at the time. I was, I was probably like <laughs> twenty or something like that. Yeah. Well, I made bad decisions, and like there were just random people. I was like, hey, you want to? You want <laughs> in? If, if uh, you want into eighty thirty five? If eighty thirty five happens this year, don't be afraid to. You know, let the guys at this podcast know what color the wristband is, and it's already. <laughs> unfortunately, eighty thirty five has already it's been, already been canceled. Oh, now. it has. Yeah, nah, I already shit canceled, which is a bummer. But that's okay. I mean, hopefully, it'll come back bigger and better mm-hmm. next year. You have to wonder if they're regretting that with like the more recent announcements that are coming About out. COVID. Maybe so. Maybe not. Maybe not. Been, <laughs> well played. <laughs> um, it could have been a booking issue too, though. It could very well have been that. And it could just be a situation where they want to just make the safest call and they're not going to worry about what comes out after that. Because you can't. Yeah. How can. much money do you have wrapped up in a festival? For Oh, my God. Well, I'm sure they have insurance of some kind. <clears throat> Either way, dude. Yeah. You got a fucking ton of money wrapped up in that. And I don't I don't fault them. It'll it'll be back. Um, yeah, another honorable them. mention. Did, did either of you check out J. Cole? J. Cole's got a new record no, out today. No, I did see a lot of friends on Facebook and... Uh, did he have like a freestyle <clears throat> breakfast club or something? Or what? he did a freestyle this week. I listened to I a little bit of that on, on Facebook. Mm-mm. And I, I only have one problem with these freestyles that I see. Okay. Is I wonder how much of it is really freestyle or how much of it is like um, almost like a standout comedian working out material in their head. You know what I'm saying? That's, like, I kind did of they uh, already like kind of write these ideas, but they've learned how to string them together, which. I'm not discrediting. I can't do that. If yeah. that's what they're doing, that's insane. And that's but what my I th- idea of a freestyle is like coming up you know, on the spot. Like, all right, give me a word, and then you rap and you rhyme on that word. Or, you know what to, I'm saying? Like, I have to imagine. I have to imagine that MCs have tropes that they can fall back to. Right, because if you've been doing this for a long time, it's no different than being a guitar player, right? You're gonna have your licks and your yeah, riffs that you're, you're gonna okay, back yeah. to. You're gonna have your go-to. I guess I never thought of it like that. You're gonna have your go-to 
licks, riffs. There's going to be words you could jams. tend to string together and stuff. That's yeah, and and you know that these words flow together really well, and so th- I'm sure that that's I'm sure that that's taking place. I um I love um what is it two zero one four Forest Hills Drive I think was J Cole's second or third album. Like that's that album fucking rips. I only listened to about half of this one as I was getting ready today, and so I didn't give it a full listen. But I really enjoy J Cole. Um, I can't wait to check out more of it. I did end up listening to more of that Black Keys album because the Black Keys dropped a new album today too. Yep. And I haven't been as big on recent Black Keys. <clears throat> like, quite frankly, I thought Let's Rock should have been probably called Let's Suck um, for this Let's album. Suck. But at the same time, like, I really love El Camino. I love um, Brother. Like, those are both really good albums. And so I'm going to go back and listen to to the new Black Keys a little bit more. But either way, listen, it was a stacked day of new music. Like, a I, big stacked day. I uh, So in my friends group, <clears throat> I notoriously hate the Black Keys. I I, I'm kind of similar. I don't uh, hate them, but I told Mike earlier that I've never really gotten into them. So this is where it started. So, at first, you know, I was like, you know, the Black Keys are okay. Like, they're they're whatever. You know, I didn't have an opinion about them. I I didn't want to seek them out. Yeah. And then I went to a concert with a friend in Kansas City, mainly to see the Flaming Lips. It was such a weird lineup. You had the Flaming Lips were opening for the Black Keys. That's fucking weird. And so, I was there for the Flaming Lips. And if you saw the way I was dressed and how I was behaving, (laughs) I was clearly there for the Flaming Lips. (laughs) And if you looked at everybody behind me, they were clearly they there were for the Black The Black Keys, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I was dressed up. Like, I like to dress up when I go to shows. And, uh, you know, Wayne Coyne came out. He was holding a baby, like a baby doll. And, like, they had strobe lights, all this crazy stuff going on. I literally heard somebody behind me say, what the fuck is going on? When the Flaming <laughs> Lips are playing, right? But, <clears throat> so then, you know, I'm... So happy. The Flaming Lips, they fucking killed it. Yeah. And then the Black Keys come on, and they're doing great. You know, they, they they got a really awesome stage presence. The songs, they're hitting hard. And then out of nowhere, they're like, all right. And then almost everybody in the band leaves. And then it's just the main two guys. And they say, all right, who wants to hear some songs with just us two now? And then everybody freaks out. And I was like... Okay, so fuck the rhythm guitar player, fuck the bass player, right? Like, how do those guys feel? And, like, at that point, that was the very beginning of my hatred for the Black Keys. And then at that point, I'm like, fuck the Black Keys. And it's like, I've never heard you say you hate any band. Dude, that's the one band I hate. And not only that, but it's like, you got a two piece, you got a guitar player and a drummer. Yeah. Named the Black Keys. The White Stripes came before the Black Keys. You get you cannot tell me that they didn't totally just fucking yeah. rip off and the that's white a, stripes. That's a mad beef right there, too. Dude, it is, and for a very good reason. Because it's a Jack serious, White knows I know. that he made a band called the White Stripes. <clears throat> and they made a band called the Black Keys. It's like yeah. No, I dude, get that. Come we, on. And you and, and I have talked about that before. Like I, I work at a, I work at West End Salvage. That would be like if I opened a similar store called East End Salvage. It was like, <laughs> fuck you guys. I build very similar furniture. You know, like it would be like the same thing in my opinion. But I, I hope that's over, not that's, a real beef. I mean, I hope everybody it knows is in who my wins mind. that fucking beef. It's Let's definitely be the white clear. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I know. Listen, no I have a ton contest. of respect for Jack White. At the same time, though, um, I give credit where credit's due. And Brother, um, the album by the Black Keys, is mm. a phenomenally good album. 
record. But I'll also yeah, say this: that was that was the f- I th- I want to s- well I'm trying to think Magic Potion. I think they did bring in some additional instrumentation on Magic Potion maybe before then. But Brother was the first one where they really filled out the sound. Right? They had a bass player. They had some organ work that was on that record as well. So even though they've always been billed as like a guitar drum two piece, Brother is not that. I mean, it's got like a really, really full and robust sound. And it's fucking, it's really good. I'll I'll check out that album. You should. You know, I'll admit, I haven't spent a lot of time with the Black Keys. Did you're going to come back next time you're on the episode and be like, hey, I fucking love the Black Keys. It's a really good. That that ain't going to happen. But I will say, maybe I'll be like, you know, I really respect the Black Keys. (laughs) 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 It might, it might, maybe it comes out that way. I'm looking through the track listing for, for Brother for brothers what was the uh i will like say big, though that i've heard the guys from that the black one? keys are cool as hell helen for you helen for you yeah. there's a song called never gonna give you up is that a cover of like rick astley never no, are you never gonna let you down not. either it's oh. absolutely not in fact that's a man that's a super great track it's really really bluesy though and that's that whole record is just rife with a ton of fucking just a ton of really really great blues riffs and um and I'm telling you, it's it's it is it's worthwhile. Even if you say to me, "Man, I fucking hate the Black Keys." There's nothing you can do to you know to change my opinion of it. That's fine. I'm and definitely not that guy, by the way. And hate is a super strong word. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's like it's weird to hear Bryce talking about. It's an inside, about it's an inside joke so. for me and my friends. Like, I'll be like, "Fuck the Black Keys." I fucking hate the Black Keys. It's like it's an inside joke. But um, I mean, tighten up is Tighten Up was probably a bigger radio hit than Howlin' For You. But honestly, um, dude, like the second track on that album is so good. It's called Next Girl. And the chorus of that is, <laughs> the chorus of that is so fucking good because it's, um, it's basically about how um, he's not going to make the same mistakes with his next girl that he made with this girl. But the rhythm behind it is so, it's fucking catchy and it's really, really good. Um you should listen. Just give it a shot. Uh, I'll, I'll give, give it a, a shot. shot. Check and, it out. You know, uh, it might end up. You know, when I listen to the Black Keys, maybe at the end of the album, I really want to buy a car or something. You know, like, <laughs> like an El Camino. <laughs> you know, it's just like the best car commercial music of all time. That is true. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. It's almost but, like your relationship with the Black Keys is like mine with Harmonica has become on this I think, podcast. I think Ooh. that they like are, said a couple. I think that comments. they're very similar because I think that you. You could probably admit that, you know, Bob Dylan harmonica is the shit, That's, right? Yeah, it's just, so Lee Stamper. Like, like Bob Dylan harmonica is so the shit. So I was shit. just saying that I need to make a playlist of what I consider to be, and I, I texted Mike and a couple <laughs> of other buddies this today, and I said, Acceptable. well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I said of what I consider to be unnecessary harmonica and what I consider to be acceptable harmonica because I don't think any is necessary. But there is some that is acceptable. But I do, so the very first song on the good harmonica list was going to be Times They Are Changing by Bob Dylan. I think that's a perfect example of where so harmonica much. really added to it. Yeah, but I he feel does like so much acceptable harmonica. My complaint against harmonica is just when it feels like they were like, let's thicken up this section a little bit, even though we've already kind of you know written it and we don't usually have a harmonica in our band. Nobody plays harmonica yeah. in this band. This space when we play blank. live, but you know what? Let's just throw some on in the studio in this section just to make it 
because we can. Why not? Well, I mean, you got to give Dylan the credit, though. I mean, he like was playing a guitar. No, again, singing, yeah, I like the Dylan and harmonica. playing harmonica, and I like that. If if that's like a, if it's a it's feature, better than scatting. If it's a feature, then I don't have. A, if it's like you're playing guitar and you're doing harmonica and that's your thing, I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is just when it just feels like it's thrown into the mix of a band that doesn't need it. It's already complete, dude. You I know? I definitely like any time I've listened to this podcast. And I, I like, I know that there's harmonica on the track. I am looking forward to you saying unnecessary harmonica. <laughs> like, I'm like, I could feel it coming. Do you think that John Popper just should have been aborted as a child? <laughs> like I John barely Popper's, listened to Blues Travel. John Popper's entire existence is just should be obliterated <laughs> off the map. Well, he's that real, guy has a fucking really good, vest. Right? He has a vest of harmonicas, bro. <sighs> he fucking wears them. One. He wears them like. Like a Navy SEALs wears magazines full of bullets. He's just like, <laughs> oh, what are shit. we in? We're in the key of C. It's what like the Expendables, but oh. harmonica style. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to. I, I, I've not listened to a lot of Blues Traveler, so I can't really comment on that. I can't hear I assume Blues I'd Traveler, have a problem. But Blues Traveler's a lot. There's a there's lot, a lot of fucking harmonica. That would actually be something akin to, I don't know, like a like a fucking Joe Rogan fear factor challenge for JB to listen to an entire fucking blues travel. All right. Album. For this challenge, you're going to have to lay down on this bed and listen to five hours of harmonica. Oh God. Bring in John Popper. Of just pure harmonica. Not like good Bob no. Dylan harmonica. Just like we're talking jazz harmonica. Just jazz. Reform jazz harmonica. Okay. Hey guys, I hate to be that guy, but I'm going to use the restroom real quick. This is the earliest restroom break we've Whoa. ever had. Yeah. We are wow. 30 minutes and 13 Listen, seconds in. I am I am the water champ. I've been drinking a lot of water today. I'll be That's right good. Back. Okay, go All to right. the bathroom. While you um, go, we're going to start talking about the album. I was going to say, let's let's jump into this. So, because yeah. um, otherwise this is going to be the four-hour fucking podcast. Okay, so starting off this week, we're doing three. And just to catch everybody up, obviously, we're working through uh, Rolling Stones list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. We have gone through the first 140, no, 135 albums on the list. And so this week, we're starting off at number 365. Coming in at 365 from 2004, Mad Villain's album, Mad Villainy. Rolling Stone says this collaboration between rapper MF Doom and producer Madlib is one of underground hip hop's greatest moments. Madlib provides a shifting bed of warped, funky, and wildly unpredictable samples, drawing on everything from Thunder and Lightning's bump and bus stop to the theme of Justice League of America. Doom's rhymes are so casually adventurous that sometimes it takes a second to notice how stunning they are. Quote, still back in the game like Jack LaLanne, think you know the name, don't wreck your brain on a fast track to half sane. Hell yeah. And actually, that little exclamation point at the end of that description from Rolling Stone is fucking money in the bank. Because I can't even begin to describe how spectacularly good this record is. Dude, I can't tell you how it's many good. times on my notes that I wrote hell yeah or fuck yeah at the end <laughs> with an explanation mark. I'm like, oh my God. Before yeah. we get into this, we should point out. Bryce has taken no less than seven pages of notes eight. on this. Sorry, eight. <laughs> I correct myself. Eight, no less than eight pages of notes on this album alone. I had to Which do it. Um, you know, remember you got to all caps when you spell the man's name. MF Doom. He all passed caps. Away. I wrote that line down. He all passed caps away. Dude, I'll tell you name. what. When when uh, Doom died, 
everybody was saying that. I mean, remember all caps when you spell the man's name. Was that MF Doom? Was that only from this one song, or is that something he says a lot? No, that that's that's a reference from this song. Um, I listened to a lot of MF Doom. I can't recall off of the top off the top of my head if he says that again. Um, but one thing that a lot of people say about Doom is he's your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Like yeah, like a comics comic. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely, absolutely. Um, uh, most def, he was like really beat up when doom died like most f idolized doom like everybody everybody loved doom i mean he was he was very underground but uh even like you know in the rolling stone description like you said i I know i was gone but i read it earlier today like you have to like marinate in some of the things that he says before you realize how genius they are (laughs) like i mean and a lot of them too like he does a lot of name dropping of like people that I'm not familiar with that. I'm sure if I were more familiar with them, like those rhymes would mean a lot more to me. Yeah. Or you just realize how clever they are. Dude, he's really clever. And like, honestly, like I know I took eight notes. I I mean, eight pages of notes. Um, The majority of them are actually, I I wrote down every single sample that Mad Lib put on this album, (laughs) which is insane by the way. Um, but I mean, if, awesome, I, if I had more time, I, I would have like sat down and wrote some of my favorite lyrics that Doom dropped. Um, the one thing I want to say about Doom is like when whenever you listen to anything that Doom is rhyming on, like you feel cool while you're listening to him rhyme. Like I mean, like his flow is so awesome. Like you well, just feel with it being cool so underground, you feel like knowing you're kinda, about it. If you almost feel like you're in on a secret. Yeah, yeah, it's you like know? you're yeah. in the club. Like you know about Doom and like. When you're a fan of him and you say to somebody like that is a hip hop fan, do you know about MF Doom? And they don't. You're like, oh my god, dude! I can't wait to open you up to this world. And that's like, exactly what my son did to me. I'll tell you what. Th- I mean, this album is great. Um, I love Doom. I will say, like Doom, definitely a star on this album. To me personally, Mad Lib is the biggest star on okay, this album. Okay, thank you because that's dude. what I was gonna um, say. He is. But a if you want to listen genius. to an album where Doom is star listen to mm, food the okay. whole fucking album is about food i mean the whole thing and it's in, <laughs> i love that it's idea insane and then also like listen too. to uh danger doom danger mouse and mf doom did an album oh, together shit. and cool. it's like the whole album is like uh the whole it's almost like a a concept album it's all adult swim like well dude, and that's what Meat this Wad is too, has a for thing the on there frylock has a thing on there uh, space ghost is on that album like well but it's, i mean it's really awesome this is a concept album too yeah it's like a right it, it's almost it is, like absolutely. 50s announcer like super villain style it, it feels like a old school like batman yeah episode that you're watching yeah but you know? instead of the hero being batman the hero is the villain. villain. It's like an anti-hero well, situation. Yeah, it's yeah, like an anti-hero concept. The way that I like to think album. about it is like, so first of all, <clears throat> this is how I look at rap. You have rap and you have hip hop. Rap to me is primarily West Coast, like Tupac. Mm. And then you have hip hop, and that's like Biggie Smalls and Wu Tang Clan and all that other other mm. shit. That's, that's East Coast. Interesting. I've never. This heard is that very East Coast to me. Okay. And oh, just like Wu Tang Clan, like you know, you have uh, Ghostface. He's Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. MF Doom, he's Mad Doom. Villain. You know, he's Doom. He's oh, Doctor sure. Doom. Doctor Doom. Okay. Yeah, I got you. Right. So, like, it, it very much 
follows in that same vein for me. And like, interesting. I, I love though. It's like, you know, you listen to Ghostface rap about how he's Tony Stark, you know, like they're like, they're heroes, you know? Yeah. And he's like, I am the villain. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, he has no I, qualms I with it. just being like, I'm a fucking evil super villain. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah, going to hit yeah. you in the night, you know, kind of thing. Absolutely. But yeah, um, Mad Lib, so fucking killer. He had this like one technique Dude. that he used on several songs where he would just kind of let the beat go for a, a while and then he would just randomly just drop the beat on just the, the downbeat of a measure, just be like, boom, and then it would like drum back yeah. in. And he did that on so many tunes. And just reading about him making this, like he, he made most of the beats in a hotel room in, fuck, I think it was somewhere in Brazil maybe? It was like, it was somewhere in South America. He made, he was in a hotel room and, I want to say it was Brazil. And then he ended up, <clears throat> someone ended up stealing a copy of this record no and way. like releasing it what? on the internet. What? And really? they, they were like at a show and someone, and he had a bunch of people coming up being like, man, we love your new mad villain record. He's like, what? <laughs> and they ended up like shelving this project for an extended period of time, like almost a year or like six months to a year he before was they, they were so drums. pissed. Yeah, that that, that someone had Damn, stolen dude, it. I never knew that in Brazil. Yeah, I'm wow. so glad you looked into that because I like I told JB I was like, man, I spent. I mean, what is this record like? Forty six minutes long. I think I spent like, like two or three hours taking notes for this just like, because I wrote down all, all the of samples. The samples. Yeah. So like, I was really hoping that you guys would come through with like some of the information about like the background of this album. So tell me this. So for both of you guys, what was your favorite track in terms of the sampling that Madlib did? Like, all right. So what was your favorite? I will say maybe not my favorite, but uh, I have two that are incredibly impressive. Um, and one that, you know, like, so this track, um, it had samples on it that are, they uh, occur all throughout this album. Um, so it's from this artist. Um, oh, man, I may not pronounce this right. Jack Moralgus, I think, is what it is. And so it's basically uh, that sample is kind of like a comedy album, like a Cheech and Chong style album <laughs> where he talks about weed. So, like, at one point in time, I think it's during America's Most Blunt. It's America's like, Most remember. Blunted. You know, he like spells out marijuana and like yes. the the xylophone, dun, 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 and he spells dun, it yes. wrong, doesn't he? No, no, no. He just spells it old school. It's like marijuana. Yeah, you he know, spells like, it like super old schooly marijuana style. So I oh. listened to that album and laughed my ass off. <laughs> but, you know, but uh, so America's most blunted. Um, I I don't remember how long that song is. I imagine it's like an average song, three yeah. four minutes long. Had eighteen samples i think it's like two minutes that song yeah i don't even know that it's three minutes long samples that and then another one that was really impressive to me um which is absolutely bonkers in my opinion i gotta find it in my eight pages of notes this song it wasn't it wasn't even a full minute long all right so uh do not fire. It was oh, an instrumental. Fuck yes, dude. So I wrote Mad Lib at it again. The instrumentals almost feel like uh, they almost felt like skits to me. That you was know, one like, of my favorites it, because it, I know you, I've heard you talk about Muddy Waters a few times, which yeah, I fucking I love, love that album. I love like the chicken head skit. You know, like <laughs> it's it's so funny. I love like you know the early '90s rap skits. Like they're funny. Like you know, like you saw on the far side and stuff. Yeah. 
But I feel oh, like oh, you don't mean Mad muddy Lib- waters, muddy. Wa- okay, no, I mean I mean muddy waters by Red, <laughs> Red Man. Man. Yeah, right. But uh, you know, I, I love all of, like the early '90s skits. You know, like I, yeah. I think they're really funny. I think they're clever. Wu Tang Clan did it a lot. Wu Tang did it its own. Uh, but I feel like Mad Lib was really good at using some of the samples of skits, especially like you know, there's a lot of times where Mad Lib uses uh, trailers for movies throughout this album mm-hmm. for like horror movies and stuff. I can see that like um, old school, like forties and fifties horror movies. Absolutely. Yes. But yeah. I feel like Mad Lib is really good during his instrumentals to use some of those samples as like skits. Um, but in, it was 52 seconds long. Do not in fire. Do not fire. It, yeah, yeah. Do not fire was 52 seconds. So long. what did you and love Mad about Lib that? Put nine samples in 52 seconds, sampled okay, so, nine different fucking things. Okay, so America's Most Blunted was the one that I gave the most stars to. Like, that's by far and away my favorite song. Like, that fucking song is really, really killer. Not so much because of the rap, right? Because actually, from a rapping standpoint, I would say, um, I'd say Shadows of Tomorrow. Like, the bars that Quasimodo spits in the beginning of Shadows Super of good. Tomorrow are dude, fucking Shadows of Tomorrow, dude, dude. It was insane. So ridiculous. Shadows of Tomorrow has the most stars for me. Yeah, but I loved America's Most Blunted because I loved the way that he put together all of this weed reference and samples and everything. But Do Not Fire, I put three stars next to, and it's almost entirely because the fucking Street Fighter Two samples that he dude, uses in right? Do Not Fire are like... As soon as it was like yoga flame, I was like, "What the fuck, Dalsim?" <laughs> and then, and then it goes on because then there's Chun Li samples in there too, where she's like, ah, ah, ah. "Okay, I didn't know what that was, dude." It's all Street Fighter Two. Like it's all dude, from fucking Street Fighter there, Two, the video there's, game. There's Street Fighter, uh, there's Street Fighter samples all throughout. This I album. loved it it's, so much. So that it's song and ridiculous. a lot of other tracks kind of reminded me, production style wise, of Jay Dilla. Did you get yes. a lot of that? Yes, absolutely. No, you know, when I was listening to this album, uh, actually, I came over to your house the weekend before and we were talking about Jay Dilla, and I knew that you were going to bring that up. Yeah. Um, it's impossible not to, right? I mean, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. It's impossible not to. I mean, the there are two entirely different flavors. If Jay Dilla is hot cocoa, um, Mad Lib is coffee. But Jay right? Dilla kind of influenced everyone, I feel like, going forward. I think so too. What what year but did remember, the Jay Dilla album? Yeah, so this was two thousand four. Jay Dilla Donuts was two thousand six, I believe. Was it? I'll fact check that. Because we're not that we're not that far away from Jay Dilla, but I'm pretty sure Jay Dilla was two thousand. And I don't mean that as in a bad way to Mad Lib at all. I, I mean that as a superb compliment. I think Jay Dilla is amazing. He's I a do stud. love I do love on America's Most Blended. Uh, one yeah, of the Donuts uh, was two thousand six that they uh, that they included from that uh, comedy weed album. I talked about was uh there was a quote that said grass will uh change your musical habits for the better for the better and I wrote, like, study show it makes <laughs> study show it makes everybody more creative but it makes did, everybody more say, creative yeah i was like you know i love weed rap i love i love when rappers talk about weed because i mean a lot of people smoke weed and yeah. but i i don't like it when it becomes no you know i'm not trying to diss or anything but like Wiz Khalifa, it's like, I get it, dude. You smoke a fucking ton of weed. Yeah. You know, it, it, and there, you're really a, good at rapping it too about much. it, too. Like, you're great at rapping about it. But I like, want it to be This clever, is kind of, like, though. casual. You know, yeah. it's like, it's not like, if you listen to this song as, like, an average listener, excuse me, if I, like, told one of my friends, like, listen to this song, 
they wouldn't be like, oh, dude, this song's all about smoking weed. It's funny that you say that because I've like I feel I feel much the same way, but that's probably why I love Monty I love Muddy Waters so much. Because to me, Redman right. Redman and Method Man are like the two best rappers that I love to hear them rapping about smoking Did weed. Did you see them at Woolies when they came through? No, I Dude, did not. That happened I'm on my so birthday, sad. Oh. And I saw that. Oh my god. Redman like But they're they're clever about it though. They're not like yeah, they're not I, like this is my entire life. No, you know, they like, just they're like they work yeah, it in in the funniest weed. ways. And Redman exactly. on Muddy Waters when he's like, "Hey, yo, I got a slight problem. I smoke weed too much." I know, dude. It's so <laughs> funny. They, have you it's checked out uh, his dude. latest eighty bars thing that he's done? I have not. I have not. All right, okay. Listen to up. it, and then I want to hear next week what your opinion okay. is on it. All right, uh, that'll that'll be my homework for next week. Did you guys um, write anything down? I'm curious on meat grinder. Let me see. I know I wrote down shit for everything. I wrote down song. shit on everything. But too. like, I, 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 I want to know specifically what, what you guys wrote that? down. That's track three. All right. Let's see what I got. Cause I'm curious to see if you guys found the same thing that I found. Um, I wrote fucking insane flows. I loved it a lot. I wrote the intro is wild. Um, but the beat was super slick. Just a really, really slick beat. That's what I, th- those are my notes for meat grinder. Uh, so I wrote, um, Oh shit, that was a continued. Let's see. Let's see. All right. If I'm the only so one here, that So here's this. the deal. Here's Ooh. here's the fucking deal. The meat grinder is the biggest one for me, actually. So, uh, JB, did you say that Mike's sister has like a spreadsheet on this? She, she does. does. Okay. So how many Zappa albums are on Zero. this list? Did, did she look into it? So yeah. I gave Fuck. this song. She that I gave this song ten stars. <laughs> ten stars, the most stars any song has ever got. Woo! And this is this is why, because this is the only fucking time you're gonna hear Zappa on. Yeah, this Frank list. Zappa's voice. That's it, not true. On that one. No, you did hear him. We've already time. heard it. You heard him when? on Jay Dilla. Jay Dilla, yeah, Jay Dilla fucking Dilla sampled yeah. sampled dance contest, and it's a super dance op- contest or dancing fool. I thought it was no. It's dance contest. The song, the Jay Dilla song, was called Dance Contest. Oh, okay. That's what what, what song up. did he? What was, I don't know what he was. It was a. It was not a song. It was like a spoken line. It by was Frank. a skit from Frank okay. Zappa. But what album, dude? What album was it from? It was. You recognized it as I soon. recognized it, but I don't remember what what it was from. Tell you the truth, it, so, it almost yes. sounded like a live sample. Like he was it like did. doing. It, it was like a dance contest. He was yeah. like he was like directing. Oh no, people. no! Frank was really well known for doing uh, dance contests. So it was probably Especially from like a, on Halloween and shit. I bet you, know, you it was, was a live sample from. Okay, I'll go back it was and very listen. Very clearly, that Frank Zappa. Though, yeah, go back and listen but, to Jay Dilla. But, okay, but, you but know, it, it pisses me off because you know, uh, if you look at the last iteration of this list. Zappa had two albums in the top 200, and now they're gone. He has none. Wow. So, really? I mean, yeah. And Jesus. It, I, will, I will say, though, um, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, Mad Lib using Zappa during his beats. He has, yeah. uh, I'll have to send it to you guys. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he has a song that Doom raps over where basically it's like, I, I don't even know if he can consider it a sample. Doom basically raps over peaches and regalia like, okay and it's yeah. fucking awesome so the song is mash 
Oh, that was the name of the Jay Dilla song. Oh, then was it Smash. was Dance Contest. Exactly. It, yeah. yeah. The name of the Zappa song was the name of the Zappa song is Dance Contest. Okay. Like okay. that's where it comes from. Now it could have been a skit on a Zappa record. That's it definitely off what a it live was. Album. But um, but getting back to Meat Grinder. Yeah. It's literally Tom Sawyer by Rush. I wish I could play it and not get us kicked off get, YouTube. Yeah, get kicked but off. But it's literally it's text that to the me baseline. Right now. I'll show you afterwards. Don't you worry. It's it's uh dun, dun, it, there's one note changed. They go to instead of going and for the music theory nerds out here, it goes instead of going to the fourth, he goes from the minor third to the major third. But then the rest of it is the same. It's very clearly. I, th- I I'm pretty sure it's intentional because it's exactly the same thing. Really? It's dun, 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 the whole thing is, and it's it's. I'm pretty sure it, it it has to be an intentional nod to that song, or even a sample of it that he doctored up. And and change some of the you know tuning up a little bit, man. But I'll show you guys after the podcast. It, Absolutely. If we wouldn't get pulled off YouTube, if we were only on Spotify, we would play it for you guys right now. Yeah. But, so okay. uh, there was also uh, what song is it? all right? So money folder, right? <clears throat> so uh, <laughs> money track folder. eleven, Mike. Yeah, track eleven, money folder. So I loved how uh, Doom says they flipped it like Mad Lib did an. Uh, old jazz standard and then like after that mad lib throws in like an old jazz standard in the beat right and then, <laughs> i made I, a I note exactly I mean, about that brace it was <laughs> fucking awesome but i will say here's what's funny about this so like i said i went through and i wrote down every sample and the uh at the end there's a fuck ton of samples so right? so uh on this album there's six <clears throat> samples uh, on the fourth sample um, and by the way, I just want to let people know, I am not intelligent enough to like know what all these songs are just by listening to it. I looked it up. It, yeah. it, there's a website. It's like, I think, oh, it's you called, motherfucker. I think it's called, I thought you were fucking <laughs> no, God damn it. Actually, I take that back. Um, I have a really great ear, but uh, <laughs> I have a really great, a really I, fantastic, I think there's a, a website a stellar it's called ear. who sampled, it's like who sampled dot who sampled who, right? And, uh, it tells you like all the samples in a song. And so the fourth sample on Money Folder is John 8, 7, the fucking Bible. And like, oh, Jesus. So like it, it like there's a date after every sample. And I thought this was funny because in parentheses, it's like 32 the date AD, is zero, 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 zero. It's like, holy shit. It really <laughs> was, huh? Hey, so what if you wrote down every sample? What is the jazz song that is sampled at the end of all caps? You know, I couldn't tell you. Um, there is a YouTube video that goes through every uh, sample, through every Doom song. Because I, I mean, dude. And you didn't one, take the time to watch that, Bryce? You know. <laughs> Think I twice to. before having you on this fucking podcast. But again. my, my kids, my kids needed hugs. I made a note on that too, dude. The sample at the tail uh, end. Because at the caps. end of so, all caps, it went into a jazz standard tune, and I was like, I know that song. I'm pretty sure I've played it at gigs before, but I can't so, figure out what it is. I, I will tell you guys, here's what I intend on doing. Um, I I plan on making a playlist of every fucking sample from this album. Wow. Dude, that's um, a ballsy playlist, man. So I, I'd like that's to do thick. that and share it with you guys. And then if you guys could share it with the audience, yeah, that would be great. But we'll definitely I mean, do that. Just because like the, the, the number one takeaway for me from this album is Mad Lib's like musical vocabulary has to be huge. Like 
That guy, unquestionable. I, I love I love somebody that could walk into a record store, flip through, and be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna buy this one. And I feel like Mad Lib does that a lot. Well, that's the thing is talking there's, about his trip to of, Brazil. I remember, dude. There's a lot of word uh, world music on this. It's like, almost all. That's what. It's almost what. What it all is, dude. There's. Uh, I remember there's reading one about sample him. I can't read. Like it's. I, I looked yeah. it up on that site. It's not in English. But there's just, no translation. Nothing. I have no fucking idea what it's. But called. going back to how I was talking about, he recorded this in a hotel room in Brazil. In Brazil, apparently, he was down there like fucking digging through crates of records and he picked almost all of his shit for this for this album from down there. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. It's listen, it's wonderful. Um all that being said, do you, you want got, it on the list? It, I, I do want on. to make one more mention real quick. Okay. Operation Lifesaver. Um so at the very beginning, I love that song because it has a like the best way that I could describe it was like it was a really haunting sound super short too like like yeah, the, the way that the synth sounded at the beginning it sounded haunting almost like uh i was mario and i was entering like you know like a haunted castle where booze were everywhere you know like the <laughs> you, you know what i'm talking about right like that it was really haunting like it, it sounded spooky to me yeah and i've always loved that song and once i dug through and i looked at the samples um i actually gave this sample five stars <laughs> and it is Prepare Yourself by George Duke. That oh, is wow. the sample. That that synth line at the beginning of that song, That's Operation crazy. Lifesaver, is George Duke. And I do want to say, I listened to that song like four times today. That song fucking rips. <laughs> nice. Listen to that song. And the, actually, that song is why I want to make a playlist I want to get all this of playlist. these samples. Because, That's what I was just going to say. You know, I, I love listening to an album and seeing all these samples and then listening to a song and that that sample might be like two seconds of that song yeah but it sticks out so hard well i think we all love this one um so i think we're gonna i think we let's move on but uh we all love this we all want it on the list do you guys think it's in a good placement i think it should be higher that's my personal opinion but how much higher do you want to see it You know, I really don't know. I mean, that's my personal opinion. To be totally honest, I'm glad it even made it on this list. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, surprised. MF Doom but... is not a well-known rapper. Mad Lib is not a well-known Yeah, it's producer. underground hip-hop for sure. It's they probably... super underground. I can't even believe it made it on this list. I'd love to see it higher, but I'm just glad it's on the list. How about you, Mike? I'm the same, um, but I mean, I'll, I'll move it up. Like, I'm not shy about moving up stuff that I enjoy. How much further I want to move it up? Um, I could see it at two fifty, honestly. Because I love the I flows, agree. dude. Like I love the flows. I think the samples are just so uniquely inventive. I mean, let's be honest. We still have six fucking Kanye albums, and we, you know, and we haven't even gotten to a single Kanye album yet. And the idea that Kanye is such a fucking genius, but we're gonna put every single one of the six Kanye albums that appear above this. And I agree with that. Fuck and off. There That's is crazy. too much musicianship that went into this album. It, it, there and is that, but I'm happy where it's at. Okay. And it's going to go, for me, it's going to go back to fucking Tupac is below this, guys. Like, Tupac should be above this, in my opinion. And as much as I like this, I think this is great. It's this is- Tupac. This is actually fucking one, Tupac. This is probably the first rap album that we've seen 
with the lone exception of the infamous mob deep where I could make an argument for this album and the infamous mob deep to be at least in the same. I'm okay with Tupac being below both of those albums, but they got to be way fucking closer together than a hundred yeah. apart. I think, you know, Tupac and I, and I like, be... I, I'm sorry. I don't no, you mean, go ahead. I like the idea that mob deep and this album are so close together. Yeah. But realistically, I probably want to see both of them moved higher. I want to see both of them above 808s and heartbreaks. I want to see both of them above, um, probably late registration and college dropout, you know, if I'm picking apart just Kanye. And so, you know, I, yeah, I, get that. I, I do want to see it higher. I get that. For I will me, say I, MF doom is your favorite rappers, favorite rapper. So yeah. in my opinion, I mean, it could be higher. Um, like I said, I didn't have enough time to like stew on the lyrics and like actually analyze what all of them are, but I don't know, dude. Yeah, I think it should be a little higher. I think it's great. Because like one of the things I wrote uh, on my final notes is when you listen to a hip hop album, you expect a certain thing. And this goes above and beyond that. And yeah. I get that. But this is the 500 greatest albums of all time. I think it's plenty high. I'm glad I it made it on maybe the list, even period. a little too high. Um, mm. And I think I'm just going to disagree with you guys on this. And I don't get me wrong. I, I liked it a lot. I added it to digital. I would absolutely fucking buy it on vinyl. Me I think too. it's great. But for me, Tupac's got to be higher or at least a lot closer. Like Mike said, this yeah. is a, a hundred spots higher than Tupac. I mean, that's... Which is, no, that's, that's criminal. That's is definitely They criminal. should be way closer. I'm with you. Um, Can we read Rex? Let's read Rex, and then we're going to move on into the next album. So here's Rex Todd on Mad Villainy. Just by the intro, I know I'm going to enjoy this album, and my man, MF Doom, and he did do it in all caps. Just so That's you know, right, Rex. That's part, my dude. It's part of this duo. R.I.P. MF Doom. I was right. For once in my life, I was correct about something. <laughs> Exclamation point. I'll mark this one on the calendar. Uh, 22 tracks and 46 minutes long. The tracks are the perfect length, in my opinion. The beats are just insanely sick. Lyrically, splendiferous. I love that word. What a big Questionable word. word. Smart man. And maniacally genius. <laughs> Clearly, this album was concocted in a lab. A fun listen and it's genius. We're all just, it's just its just a yeah. mad villainy circle jerk. It's Let's move on. Jerk. 364 is talking heads. And I came. More <laughs> songs about buildings and food. For their second record, Talking Heads found the ideal producer in Brian Eno. Their trilogy oh, yeah. of albums with him made the band's reputation. David Byrne splutters over the twitchy rhythms of artists only, and thank you for sending me an angel while crooning the big country as a ballad about feeling lost in America. The Heads cover Al Green's Take Me to the River, a Memphis R&B hit, just a year old at the time. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, wow, really? That they make... That they make feel like some kind of ancient prayer. Yeah, that's crazy. I, did you? But did anybody super common that? too. Yeah. No. So at the time, people were just fucking incestuously covering each other. Yeah, we've talked Man, about this, right? So it crazy. started in the late '60s and clearly all the way through the late '70s. Like, if a song came out and another artist was like, "God damn, that's a great song. We should play that." Did you guys already talk brothers. about? Uh, did you guys <laughs> already cover on this please. podcast how uh, Jimi Hendrix covered Sgt. Pepper's like? The fucking day after. Yeah, we did talk about it. I think I told Mike about that. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's insane. In concert, too. It is cool to think, though, while Paul McCartney was there. Yeah, exactly. That's shit that people... It's a baller move right there. No, it's it's really cool that they cover that song, though, a year later. Um, Okay, so this is going to turn into another Talking Head Circle Jerk. 
Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be very similar to MF Doom because I suspect that we all fucking adored this record. I guess my question to you all is this. How familiar were you with this going into it? Have you already familiar, listened to this a bunch of times? I was familiar with Found a Job. I was familiar with um, Take Me to the River, obviously. And honestly, that is about it. And I'm a giant Talking Heads fan. I, I owned several of their records on vinyl. And throughout listening to this this week, I was like, why don't I own this? And I bought it. And it's already here. And we listened to it before we started the podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess that JB and I are familiar with this record in the same way for the same reason. Um, I love the Talking Heads. But for the longest time, you know, like I listened to Stop Making Sense. And mm-hmm. like, I felt like that was just like the talking enough. heads. Yeah. I was like, this is the fucking talking heads. Which I have on vinyl. Do you have that on vinyl? Those, I don't have it on vinyl. You need that. I know. Are, are those the only two songs off of this album that make it onto. Uh, Thank you for singing me an angel uh, is like the second or third song on Stop Making Sense. And that's a shorty. So that kind of makes sense. Easy so, one to throw So, I in. mean. You know, th- it's really funny And then Take Me, me to the River, like, I think that is the only two on Stop take, Making Sense. Take Me to the River, listening to it. I don't studio. think Found a Job is even on there, is it? It no. is. Yeah, it is. On it's Stop on Making the, Sense, it is? So it's not it on is. the album. It's not. So the vinyl, the record that they released and the they album they put out, tracks. they cut a couple tracks. Uh, it's on the movie, the, though. It's on the movie. Yes, it's on yeah. the yeah. movie. It's not on the album. Which, if See, no one's I'm seen more, this I'm movie. I'm more familiar with the movie. If no one's seen the movie. You're fucking, fucking up. stop watching this right now. <laughs> Literally turn us off and go. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on no, Amazon Prime right now. Stop. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Because what the are Pan- you doing? The Pantages Theater where all. F- so that was so that movie was filmed over four shows. Right. And they cut together four different shows to make that movie. The Pantages Theater is where they filmed all four of those shows. And so the Pantages Theater has its own YouTube channel and you can watch Stop Making Sense in 1080p Good. anytime you want on YouTube. Do it, Stop everybody. making so much sense, Mike. Someone Listen, had to make that joke. Here's here's <laughs> the way it works, in my opinion. You got Stop Making Sense, and then you got The Last Waltz. The Last Waltz. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. That's where it's at. Dude, I love The Last Waltz. I think Waltz. Stop Making Sense is probably um, one of my favorite live I will, albums of I will all say, time. listening to the uh, songs that are on Stop Making Sense on this album, is really eye-opening to me, especially like Take Me to the River because Take Me to the River on this album is like super mellow compared to the version on Stop Making Sense. It's like a fucking party this. on the, on the yeah, Stop Making Sense Yeah, but I love version. the studio treatment. I love this version no, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I don't like it. I'm just saying like it's really funny for me because... You're used um, to it with a lot more when, energy. When I listen to... Like like right I said, back. my biggest introduction to the Talking Heads is "Stop Making Sense," and so like when I hear "Take Me to the River" or even "Found a Job," I hear that in my head. To me, that's that's the song, and yeah. so like when I listen to the studio version, it's like totally different. But, I get uh, that, but different, but not different in a bad not way. not in a right? bad way. No, yeah, not at just all. different. No, absolutely. And like, you know, I I mean, we're both fish fans. So yeah. like to see uh, you know, if we were to see Take Me to the River just like the studio version, and then you were to go <laughs> see them at the next show where they played it just like Stop Making Sense, uh, we'd be fucking amped, right? Yeah, you know, no, like I get you. And I have I a feeling you. I have a feeling that they kind of operated in that way. 
They they seem like sure. a, a pretty spontaneous band. You know, like let's drive the energy up. To I mean, especially with with David Byrne, the way that David Byrne um, vocalizes right relative to the rhythm section of that band, it lends itself to the nuance of his mood at the time. No, right? for sure. But you know, and, another, and one thing I was thinking about too is like, you'll hear David Burns sing. He has all of this emotion behind his voice. But when you watch something like stop making sense, he's like a fucking robot. Yes. Like his, he has no facial expression to uh, show his, like what he's really, seeing. that's what you, th- th- he's like, He's very like deadpan, you know, like, okay, like so that's fu- like, do like the, so that's funny because as soon as I, so I was listening to this record, um, even after I took notes on this record, I actually put stop making sense on at Like while I was at work, I played the video of it so that I could watch the movie at work. And it's funny because, um, I know why you say that, but I think that that is, so all of these people were art students right? These were four art student kids that got together to make a band. They were playing at CBGB. So they were influenced by Blondie. They were influenced by the Ramones. Like all of these kids grew up together and all of these kids were in art school. And that's why I think David Byrne connected with St. Vincent, right? Like those two, I think that those two are so simpatico in the way that she's artsy, but she wasn't in art school. No, because she was she always a music, music kid. Yeah, she went to music she school. She went to the same music school that John Mayer went to. You got to go to school to learn good. But I view what David Byrne does, particularly in Stop Making Sense, that's performance art. <clears throat> Definitely. Like, it's it's, a, as, it's as much a visual as it is music art. That's actually exactly art. what I told JB today. It we is. were talking about it over text. And I told him, I was like, you know, I put Stop Making Sense right there with the last, the last waltz, if right. not above it. <clears throat> he was like, I put it above it personally. And I was like, I agree, but only for these reasons. I mean, dude, you look at the last waltz. Fucking amazing live album. I mean, you got... The musicianship. Everybody in their brother the is on there. On you got the Neil Diamond, Joni Mitchell. You got a lot of singers. John. Van Morrison. I mean, you got... Everybody Dylan, is on that Dylan album. Dylan is on there with the band. Everybody. I know. But, but this is a piece of art. But Stop Making this. Sense is this a too. moving piece of art. That's when right. you start it, you are starting a journey. You watch David Byrne comes out awkward as fuck with an acoustic guitar and a boombox. And I love it. Though. Starts Psycho Killer. It falls totally... apart during those weird breaks. And then after that, Everything gets added. It's and totally intentional, end, though. You have yeah. a full band. and, and With that's utter thing, intention. Though. It's yeah. intent. And so everything that he's doing, even down to what, like, what you described as kind of awkward non-emotion, which, again, like, if you watch the movie... I mean I, that more specifically in his face. And, I, and, no, I'm with you, but, again, I think that that's... Like, I think that that's his art. I agree. No, I, I, you know and I love I mean? that about it because it's you know, why Picasso put like one eye fucking on the forehead and the other eye on the chin. Right. It's just, it's his version. To me, David Byrne has art. this like weird sort of artistic style that nobody can really get close to. And I like agree. part of it is the fact that like, honestly, he's like on the autism spectrum. 
And is he really? Or something. He has some kind of some like ser- no. I mean, okay. I don't is mean that, that a clinical diagnosis. JD? No, no, it's like a <laughs> Doctor Williams. Uh, but it's Listen, like the, there's I there's view- something that he like like for some reason he. Like maybe he is he is seeing things in a slightly different way than no, the rest of us. Yeah. I, I view that. I, mean, I view Saint Vincent like having seen her. Like I've seen her a couple different times now. I put her on the same plane, and that's why I loved when they did their shows together because I think she does a lot of those same things. You know, she has a ton of performance art aspect aspects to her music, just like what he was doing with the Talking Heads and Solo. Okay, I just looked it up because I wanted to make sure I wasn't fucking making that up. And yeah, David Byrne is definitely is definitely autistic. Okay, but like, uh, and that's fair. and I think it lends itself in a, whatever fucking. I had no idea that he was autistic. whatever fucking combination of things is going on with him. It is perfect. And like, I have I like agree. a huge crush on David Byrne. More so, Me I have too. a crush on Tina Weymouth. I'll say that. But oh, uh, dude, hey, but, don't <laughs> you play guitar? I know you're She's not mine, to, Bryce. You're not allowed She's to. She's mine. You're not allowed to crush on a bass player. Yeah, you're not allowed to crush on a bass player. You turd. It's been announced. <laughs> <laughs> I've called her. So one thing I do want to say about this album is, um, okay. So are are either of you guys like? Uh, so I I love indie rock music, and my introduction to indie rock music was a band called of Montreal. Mm. Have, are either of you guys uh, familiar with yeah. that band? Yep. Yes. So I, I love that band. Familiar, that that was like familiar. my introduction to indie rock. And when I listened to some of the bass lines, actually most of the bass lines on all Talking Heads songs, and I look at the date that they were recorded, I can't help but think that like Tina Weymouth is not given enough credit for basically pioneering the bass lines for most indie rock songs. Like she, I don't, when I listen to some of them, like they're not super complex. They're, I mean, they're just like, they are perfect. They're you just know, what like they when, need. You, when you listen to her bass lines, it's like, I'll listen to some of the best bass players play bass. And I'm like, what could I add? And when you listen to Tina play, it's like, I would add nothing. We're gonna They're say Mike. perfect. So here's okay. I want to take a step back from this because ultimately, to me, the genius in Talking Heads comes from a combination of tight, basic rhythm section. Yes. With, I mean, let's call it what it is. Fucking autistic vocal um, rhythm additions. And what I mean by that is you have Tina and Jerry Harrison and um, Chris, what's the, um, Chris Mance, is that the drummer's name? I'm not sure. I think it is Chris Mance. Tina's husband, let's put it that way. So you have, <laughs> you have like this really traditional solid it's rhythm France. section. France, I'm sorry. Chris I France. Mance, not France. So you have this really traditional solid rhythm section and then over the top of it you have Burns vocal delivery which is at best fucking awkward and stunted but when you put them together in the best way yeah listen that's what I'm saying when you combine those two elements together it creates I'm in love with it. it creates this magic that it fucking works yeah right and it works in this really weird way 
But from the same standpoint, like I don't necessarily want to overcredit Tina Weymouth because she is a competent member of the rhythm section. Does that make sense? And that's yeah. not to take anything away from her no, chops. No, no, it makes sense. But yeah. we're but I mean literally we're we're <laughs> one album away from talking about Bootsy Collins. Yeah. And and let's be mm. super honest here. Tina's not fucking Bootsy. Chops no, wise, that, no. That's great. Tina's but, not Bootsy. But Tina's also, not Marcus Miller, who we're gonna hear on Luther Vandross. That's great. Chops but, wise, no, but, but also how much of Bootsy do you hear in indie rock? Like yeah, it's none. just a different style. You know, it's like it's a different style, and I, I just feel like Tina Weymouth was a little bit ahead of the curve when it came to to that specific style. Rock. I get that. that that specific style. And we do like, have a comment from uh from Lee Stamper of OnlyLee.com. He's weighed it. in. Only he Lee said Tina is Bay, and then he said, "Okay, yes, Mike is. made me nervous there. I'm not sure what he's referring to with Mike making him nervous. Maybe he can advise us in a forthcoming comment." That we'll receive. <laughs> I, I just feel like, you know, like, I don't know. Bass is such a, a crazy instrument. I, I feel like to compare Tina to Bootsy is comparing apples to bananas. I mean, they're not even the same thing. They're not even the same realm. They don't do the same job. And, to um, me, and they're both I'm, great. All I'm saying is this. Talking heads is magic because of the combination of orthodox okay with utterly unorthodox no i agree tina being 100%. tina tina being the orthodox Chris france being the orthodox rhythm section with david Byrne, the utter unorthodox over the top of it absolutely and that combination good, it's a magic combination though it whatever is. they found and Lee Stamper it has works. said he he thought that you were about to shit on Talking Heads, but then you brought no. it back around. But then you brought it back around. Yeah, yeah he was worried, and then you you Lee, Mike it. Yeah. Mike is not that silly. He yeah, loves no. the Talking. No, I abs and this and I hate listen, to be that guy. I got to use the bathroom one more. Time. This album is so spectacular. It's like great. I really do love it. Um, I hate to I hate to say this, but if you're, if you're only going to listen to one track on this record, and JB and I are getting ready to do a whole lot of that. It has to be Take Me to the River, which is weird because it's not even an original. It's not It's not a Talking Heads original song, but their take on what Al Green did is, it's so fucking stupendous. They did something really special with that cover. They did. For me, though, if you're asking that same question. Yeah, what's the one? It's going to be, because I just, I want you to get a, I want you to Talking Heads song, you know? Okay. So it's either going to be Found a Job which is absolutely one of my favorites I or it's going to be, or it's going to be the good thing on that F- found a job. Like is, is a song that Mike, like have you listened to the found a job before? No. So I think that if you listen to found a job, like four or five more times, you would be like, I, okay, I fucking love found a job. Um, found a job is the best song on this record. In my opinion, uh, followed closely by the good thing and then followed closely by take me to the river. Like, honestly, and not even just for the sake of omitting Take Me to the River, I think that those two are better. So Okay, so my hot take on if I'm if it's not going to be Take Me to the River, which I think it has to be with this song. And again, it, it, doesn't, have, it doesn't have to be original to be wonderful. You know what I mean? But I love Stay Hungry. And I also really, really, I fucking loved um, The Big Country. Oh, I love the like, big country the too. Big country was so fucking good, and it I was gave that so, one four stars. It was so uniquely original that again, like if you just wanted to say, 
you can't do Take Me to the River. You have to do something else because it has to be a Talking Heads original. I would actually probably make, and we're going to have this argument at some point in time down the road. I'm probably going to argue for the big country. If you refuse to allow Take Me to the River. We're going to have this argument for sure, but I know. luckily we can put that off. Yeah, we uh, can. Lee commented again. Okay. He said, found a job greater than videotape. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, Lee That's Samber. Referencing, I can't uh, help it if you're a fucking pathetic loser. <laughs> That's Son referencing a, a Radiohead videotape. We've been having an ongoing Listen, argument about this song for the last like solid month. You let's not digress. You can't pick let's on not. Lee and only Lee. God damn it! Um, can I read Rex? Go ahead and read Rex. Yeah, I want to hear then, Rex. And then, and then, I think we need to circle back to placement. Placement, and then we'll move on because quickly. obviously, like all of us are going to be owning this on vinyl if we don't already. I still need to add it um, to vinyl, but dude, I need it. Um, okay, so Rex says, I'm going to be honest. I've never listened to the Talking Heads before this one. Fuck, Rex. Oh, my God. So here we Rex, go. I'm great, not going to judge you. I'm just happy for you. I hope great, you had a great time. Great melodies been, blend perfectly with the jerky at times singing on this record. I see where Black Francis of the Pixies fame got his vocal influence, and it's most likely from this album. It's a great album. I'm glad this one is on the list. So, so Rex, man... Go listen to Remain in Light right now. That's going to be a spoiler for you because Remain in Light is absolutely going to be on this list. It's going to be super high. But if you loved this, which I'm glad that you did, you had every right to. Fuck off. I'm just kidding. Um, Listen to Remain in Light and then listen to Speaking in Tongues. Speaking in Tongues. And then listen to Little Creatures. And then listen to 77. Yeah. And you're in for a treat. Yeah, I mean. 77 is my favorite talking head. 77 has. I don't don't think 77 is on this list. 77 has Psycho Killer. Don't tell us, Bryce. That's a spoiler. No, I I keep your filthy mouth shut. No, listen. There's fucking 500 (laughs) albums on this list and I scrolled through it. Remain in Light. Remain in Light. I don't know. Remain in light has we to be. We want to remain in darkness as far as what's on yeah, this album. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I I don't okay. remember, but. Yeah. So where do you put this? Like, do you like the placement? Do you want to see it higher? Do you want to see it lower? What um, do you think? I wrote something about it. Mm. I'm cool with where it is because I'm, cool I'm pretty sure there's a lot. There's a couple more tugging heads on here. Um, I'm pretty sure that. Remain light certainly is, and I would not be surprised if speaking in tongues is. And honestly, I don't know if they have any live albums on here, but if they do, I feel like uh, stop making sense. No, I, d- I okay. don't believe they do. I don't. Okay. I don't think that actually. This I don't think there's very. This list is fucking albums. bullshit. I don't think there's very many live albums on this list at all. If I, there were, I still stand by. It would be I a think. List. I think one of the only live albums we're gonna get, and technically they've. I think they're calling Sex Machine a live James album. James Brown. Yeah. Yeah, but fuck you. I think the only live <laughs> album that we're gonna get in uh, in all honesty is live at the Fillmore East from the Allman Brothers. And that album might not even fucking be on this list. I don't know. And if it's, it's not, fuck it off. It's terrible. I will, I will say, I, I definitely believe this album belongs on the list. Do you want it higher or lower? Um, or do you like the placement? Because I like the placement. I, I'm not, yeah, I, I, I'm not upset with the placement. Um, okay. But I do think, I, I can't remember whether or not Brian Eno has a placement on this list. With but his I solo know that there work, are, mean? I, yeah. I feel like he's not going to have like, any solo stuff on here. I feel like here. there's a lot of times where you're listening to this album where it's like, yes, Eno clearly had something to do with this yeah. album. I feel like he's not going to have any solo stuff Eno, on here, but he's going to have like a lot of stuff where he was the producer, producer of it. To me, that's a shame. I, 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 I love his work as a producer, but I also 
I enjoy his solo work. And I don't even know. I, that I think it, I think it's great that he had something to do with this album. And if you're familiar with his solo work, you will you would hear it in this album. You know what? I don't even know that that's that much of a shame, though. I mean, we don't we we almost never talk about producers on this album. I mean, we do when it stands out, when it's meaningful. And I'm sure that when Brian Eno comes up more, we'll talk about him when he comes up more. And so let's give him credit, right? Because well, it's different when a producer is just a producer well he played a, a lot on this record also a musician and brian eno put out some pretty good albums. He, and to be well. fair he's credited with uh, almost all the synthesizer work on this album is credited to brian eno. personnel to oh, him no shit. i, I feel like i feel like brian eno's bread and butter in his career has certainly been his production work with other producers and not as much his own solo stuff yeah um, which is okay. That. Uh, and no, speaking of that, great. not to digress too much because we do need to move on here really yes, quickly. But um, Brian Christ, Eno, I'm sorry if this is a really long podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you for apologizing, Bryce. <laughs> You're very uh, welcome. Um, uh, Brian Eno did a did another record with David Byrne. Yeah, kind of recently, and uh, oh fuck. Uh, the reason that I remember looking it up was because I was watching the fucking sequel to Wall Street. Which is called Wall Street Money Never Sleeps with Shia LaBeouf. You fucking no, watch it's that? Shia, it's Shia I did watch it. It's not very good. But Jesus you know what Christ, is good? Dude. You know what is good? Is the soundtrack. Oh, for and fuck's sake. Actually, no. Seriously, dude. You need to listen to this hey, album. Hey, Mike, what's the next album on the list? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> seriously, though. Uh, it's uh, We're digressing everybody for fucking Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. The no, movie that we're even not Oliver Stone was like, I'm so glad I made this so that Give way we can have a Hold soundtrack. On. We're listening to, <laughs> we're not digressing for Wall Street. We're digressing for Everything That Happens Will Happen Today by David Byrne and Brian Eno, released in 2008. So it's a shout out. It's very topical yeah. because we Would just you did an that? album that was talking heads and Brian Eno. So you guys should probably go listen to that. Send that right link now. to me. Everything that happens will happen today. Yeah. Or Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Send all okay. that shit to me. 363 from 1975 um, Parliament's album The Mothership Ooh, Connection baby. Rolling Stone says George Clinton leads his Detroit crew of quote extraterrestrial brothers end quote through a visionary album of science fiction funk on jams like super groovalistic prosy funkstification and give up the funk tear the roof off the sucker it's a concept album inspired by Star Trek in 2001 A Space Odyssey shout out 2001 A Space Odyssey big fucking fans of the show um big fan, big fans of the show, the show is big damn. fans parliament. of that hey, the listen, show is a parliament, huge fan uh parliament is a really big fan of this show okay um <laughs> listen <laughs> this show is a big fan of 2001 a space odyssey with Bam. clinton as an outer space radio dj broadcasting uncut funk from quote the chocolate milky way end quote and telling people of earth put a glide in your stride and a dip in your hip and come up on to the mother ship Oh hell God, yeah! Mike. You into nailed it. that, Mike. Shit. You did good on that. Can you do it again? No, he Put took a the glide in your stride yeah. and a dip in your hip and come up onto the mothership. Fuck Woo. yeah, dude! So, Where to the bathroom. Yeah. So I will say one of the things I wrote uh, about this album was uh, so imagine you're playing Grand Theft Auto, right? <laughs> <laughs> and for whatever reason. Your car got abducted by aliens and the the whole planet lived on funk and you're listening to their radio station. That's this whole album. Like 
This whole album feels like you're a hitchhiker on a UFO listening to the radio. Like, especially, like, all the commentary. It's like, you're on the mothership. Yeah, but you it's know, like it's the like, UFO, but with, like, but with a bunch of street talk. So I like how you, how you added the Grand Theft Auto in there. No, that's d- basically it what it like is. That, it's like you, Grand you know Theft Auto meets about. Star Wars. For real, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but, like, sometimes you're listening to it, and, like, you could clearly hear, like, George Clinton is trying to be the DJ. It's like the way I look at it is like uh, almost like Guardians of the Galaxy, like when Homeboy's mom died from cancer. Like imagine, and he like, has this whole playlist. A UFO came down. It was Parliament that picked you up. And they're like, check this, check shit this out. shit out. Yeah, yeah, we're exactly. Parliament. We're here to party. And it's like we we're want the to funk. The radio. It's like. We want the funk. Give up like, that funk. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> that would be so and incredible I, I, for I love, that movie. I love so much how like Parliament is like they're really clever. Like we wants to get funked up. It's like at that time you have to realize. I'm pretty sure what 1975. Was 75. It's, so it's like this song. You know, like we wants to get funked up, and then you have like. Blow the roof off the mother. Which wasn't necessarily like, so racy to, at this time. I mean, it wasn't 10 years prior. If it was no, 65, it would have been racy, but no, 75. But you, have to, you have to realize, though, at 75, even still, to say, like, all right, so blow, blow the roof off this mother. What they meant was blow the roof off this motherfucker. And you have to realize at that time. I think it was fairly was, acceptable that, at 75. No, it was not. I don't know, man. Look up. Um, oh, God. Are we arguing over whether or not you could say the word fuck in 1975? No. So, uh, Carlin, uh, George Carlin had a really big lawsuit against the Supreme Court. And I think it was in the 70s about saying the F word. Yes. So, that's like, actually true. so saying motherfucker in 1975 might have been super taboo. So, like, to say, well, for example, uh, Frank Zappa and the Mothers, that was their original name. In like 1968. Before he turned it to Mothers of Invention. So to say the mothers, everybody knew that the mothers meant the motherfuckers. Yeah. And that was not acceptable. Even to just say the mothers. Really? So like you're talking 10 years in the future. Not that long. A lot has happened for sure. But 10 years in the future to say the blow the roof off this mother. They meant the motherfucker. Like, yeah, they definitely did. Taboo. But I guess I took it more as like uh, it's just kind of a snapshot of the kind of talk that was going on among the you know the crowd that that these guys were in at the time. And I, what I was reading about it was it was basically George Clinton that was like, I want to take all my street talk and all my friends and basically put them in outer space. That was yeah. like what the concept yeah, no, was, for sure. You know, and uh, I love it. I think it's a hilarious concept. But I, it I works so well. They, they I bu- work around saying curse words. Yeah, you know, like no, I want to get funked up. Like, yeah, no, it's know a, listen. Yeah, it's all a play on it's words, so right? Awesome. It's I all it. a play on words, and basically, like George Clinton was taking drug references and inserting music in exchange for the drugs, and it was all it was all in my opinion, like it was an effort to bring black culture to mainstream. Right. Yeah. And do it in a way with music that was traditionally black music, but he was trying to make it open to everybody. Like this is listen, this is fucking beautiful. Right. It doesn't it get is. any better than this. Amazing. I yeah. read a quote from him that pretty much summed it up, which was basically like I wanted to take James Brown music. 
and put a bunch of street talk over it. <laughs> and that's yeah. essentially what it is. Is like, I mean, it's it's James Brown esque grooves throughout. Almost every song sounds like it could be a James Brown song, but maybe a little bit more developed because it's ten years ahead of time. You know okay. what I mean? I will say on uh, P Funk, I wants to get funked up. One of the notes that I I made that I loved was, uh, it's so funky, you almost have to laugh. Like you could smell, yeah. the, you could smell the stank through your headphones. Like, yeah. you know, like listening to all throughout this album, Bootsy Collins bass lines. Like he's fucking they dude. Are he just, crushes. They are so funky. Yeah. Like, and the thing I love about it is like, if I were to write a bass lines like that, I would have to try really, really hard. To dude, make that was Bootsy as though. Funky That's just what Bootsy made up but like I feel on like accident. Bootsy heard it. He was like. This is what I'm gonna do. You know, and also the like, tone, the tone. Do you, I mean envelope filter? That's a, that's well, like that, that was the other thing that I wrote down on my notes somewhere. Um, who was the first bass player to start using like like an envelope filter? I don't know. Was boot? What's I, an envelope Bootsy filter? Might have been one of the. So first. that's the the that's the effect that the Bootsy Collins was using. Basically, the most funky effect that you could put. Yeah, on here I'll kind of describe it. So envelope filter is essentially. It's essentially a, a, a wah pedal, but okay. it, it reacts. It does it on its own. It reacts to the strength with which you pluck the string. Oh, so, Jesus. Okay. So it, it's it's also popularized by, by Jerry Garcia. He used the envelope filter a lot. You know, you've heard it. Flea you probably thought it was a wah wah pedal, but it wasn't. It's So a wah wah pedal, you control the the amount that the, the, the frequency sweeps, but therefore the amount that the wah goes wah based yep. on putting your foot down. But on an envelope filter, it's strictly based on the strength How hard of the pluck. you're hitting it. So yeah, the harder so, you pluck, the more it was. So like okay. a, ba- a, a bass line on an envelope filter, a clean bass line might be like, bum, 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 bum. Envelope filter might be like, bam, 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 bam. Okay, like, it, okay, like, I got it you. adds Thank like you. this whole extra gusto to it. It's a like, dynamic, right? It's, like it's a dynamic like a based on the effect. force that you're hitting the string yeah. with. Okay. It's and, a frequency Bootsy, sweep is what like, it is. Dude, yeah. Bootsy, he uses it so Listen, well. I, okay, tastefully. so P-Funk, four stars. Mothership Connection, Star Child, five stars. Five for me too. Unfunky, dude, so far, we're lined up. Unfunky UFO, dude, four. I had three. Um, Super Groovalistic, three. Handcuffs, three. I almost put fucking four or five next to handcuffs. Um, Give Up the Funk, five. Um, Night of the Thumposaurus People, three. Okay, so let me read mine. I gave every song... Sorry to cut you off, JP. I think I gave every song... Fuck you, Bryce. You know what? (laughs) Jesus. These guys are not in a band. I'm just kidding. Uh, At all. The only song... That I gave five stars on this album is "Give Up the Funk." What? Because I think. Are you that, kidding me? Well, hold on, because I think everybody knows that song, you know. But other than that, every song got really? four stars. Let me read I mean, my like, list. I mean, Let me read my list. So, P Funk, five stars. Mothership Connection. Actually, I misquoted earlier. I had five on that. I said I had four, like you. I had five on Mothership Connection. Unfunky UFO three. Super. I'm going to stop there. Five. Yeah, I hear you. Handcuffs, four. Give up the funk, five. Night of the Thumposaurus, three. Dude, I remember I got to the, I literally, I got to the third track and I was thinking to myself, because I'd already done fucking three or four cold listens. Like after the first time that I listened to this record, I could not fucking get enough. And I remember getting to Unfunky UFO and I remember thinking to myself, 
It was a lie. The lowest fucking star that I'm going to put on any song on this record is going to be four three, stars. Or th- no, I thought four. Okay. No, now it, I, I don't now, have any remember, three stars on this album. The fourth, the fourth track is the first one that I only give three stars to. And handcuff, I fucking wrestled with because the lyrics of handcuffs, right? Basically about Dude, how do I, I have to put were, my hand? Do I have to put your handcuffs sexy. on your mama? Like, <laughs> like I almost, I almost did it just because of the lyrical content and like how much fun it was. But like, I wanted to be, I wanted to be more critical and not just say, oh well. I fucking love this record so much that just everything is that amazing. Yeah. Right? Like I wanted to create some that's, critique for that's myself. That's the exact reason I didn't give everything five stars. Yeah. I mean, I like, thank you. Because, because that's I, where I, I was Parliament. at too. That's where and I was like, at Bryce. Like when I came uh, to this project, I was like, all right, I, you know, like I picked this week for a reason. Yeah. I knew Parliament was on it. I knew, I knew the Mad Villain record was on here. I knew the Talking Heads record. It's very shrewd those, of you. Those were the three records. Like I was like, that's why I want to be on this week. But I did not want to be like, well, I love them, so I'm going to give every uh, every uh, track five stars. You know, like I think you could though. No, I could. No one but, would fault you for that. Mm, no, mm, I didn't want to. I wanted to be as honest as I could. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that. And um, so, like, that's why most, almost every song on this album got four stars for me. But did I, it, I did really feel like I jumped into a spaceship. So know? let's do this because we've, like, we've circle jerked the fuck. That's what I was literally about to say. I was like, before so we just circle jerk on this, let's point out songs that stuck out to us. And that's what yep. I was going to say. So, so we've done this in the past and we haven't done this in a long time. Although we're going to start creating bonus episodes solely around this. So each one of us round Robin and you and I will go first and Top then Bryce songs. will hit us up. Yeah. If you can only, if you can only tell somebody to listen to one song, oh, fuck me. what's the one song that you're going to tell the audience to listen to on this record? This is a really hard one. Um, it's fucking brutal on this record. For me, it's between two. Okay. The one that I probably liked the best was mothership connection. I loved the whole, let me ride section that was on that. Uh, straight out of Dr. Dre, by the way. Well, if you enjoy the song, let me ride from Dr. Dre. It's literally the same thing. It's literally lifted from this fucking song. The whole thing. And then the other one is like the one that was certainly the most well-known tune, which is give up the funk. I mean, it's a fantastic song. Okay. So which one be between for me, pick one fucker mothership connection. You like where your brain's at. Oh, let's see. Where are my notes at? I'm going to do the same. Yeah. Only because like, fuck dude like that and you know what's funny is like dre lifted the very last time that they went to the cherry stop right because there's that there's and george plays like this weird clav line but he only plays it that one time and it's the very last time that they loop around to the and that's in the dre sample to the cherry stop and let, let me, me ride but but that like that only appears on the very last time on this song but and the that's rest in the of, dre song yeah okay but realize that everybody that hasn't heard this that's like a small segment of this song that they revisit i think they revisit it three times swing on down to the cherry stop and by the way when they're not into that little like bridge if you'll call it of this song it's a fucking totally different song 
that is a funk masterpiece. It's in a it's in a drastically different key. It's in a major key. Every yeah. part of it. Like there's it's so weird when it they sounds nothing like it. When they drop into the cherry stop, you're like, whoa, what has happened Bryce, here? Pick a song. One song. The audience can only listen to one song. One what song do you tell them record. to listen to? If I had to pick one song, man. Get up uh, on the mic. I just had get up on the mic. Get up on the mic. Hey, get closer to the mic give there, it, Bryce. Give up the funk. Man. Get closer to the mic. Give up the funk. Okay. I mean, who who doesn't know that fucking song? No, I know. You know, and it's like. We but, argued but here's, that. Here's the thing, though. Like, when you hear that song. Whether Holy you're, shit. Wh- whether you're a P-Funk fan or not. When you hear that song, you're like, let's fucking party I like, hear you. I mean, and it's just such a well-known the, tune that's the vibe i hear it's you. such a well-known tune uh i'm gonna read rex's thoughts on that but before that i'm gonna read uh lee stamper hot fucking take hot take you all guys right. are not gonna like this at all okay lee Stam- <clears throat> wait stop don't read his fucking comment if he's shitting on this record he's not shitting on this record he's okay. shitting on funk in general so then holy don't shit hold on it. wait don't a minute i gotta read this comment hey, i gotta read wait it. a minute no this hold on terrible. hold on guys you Fuck should you, have to pay to suffer for Jesus. this comment. So Lee, Lee Stamper. Lee Stamper if says. If you don't like funk, you get. I don't let know. Let him read it. Lee Stamper says funk is better as an element of rock than as a dedicated genre. Fuck off. <laughs> okay. What the fuck Let's does move that on to Rex. mean? Stop. Let's move on to Rex. Let's yeah. move on. Right. Yeah. There's no reason to even think about what that inane fucking fool Lee. has <laughs> dropped on us. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, Luther Van. No, 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 that's <laughs> not like, what we're doing. That's like saying. You're making me Lemon drink more sour, whiskey, but Lee I Stamper. wish it was sweet. Yeah, uh, Mothership <laughs> Connection Parliament by Rexus. Here's his write up. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Parliament. Only when I want my funk uncut. When I want the bomb, I want the P funk. They yeah. make the funk fresh for you in this oven baked classic. I only discovered Parliament from a little known movie called PCU. If you haven't seen it, find it seriously. Google the movie right now. <laughs> There's an incredible cast list, and you'll be pissed that you've never heard of this movie. I'm surprised he didn't uh, learn from it from Good Burger. Parliament Funkadelics does a concert in the film introduced by John Favreau. Interesting. The band probably contains the same amount of people equivalent to that of a small town. <laughs> Every single one of the instruments meld extremely well into one another. Just a beautiful Funkalicious album. There's a whole lot of rhythm going around on this one. Don't forget when they want the funk, give up we the funk. Oh, the funk. fuck yeah. Give up the funk. So far, we are in total agreement with Rex Thank Todd. You, Rex Todd. Here, here's, the, here's what I want to see. Lee Stamper. And I will, I will put the money down to see it. <laughs> Rex versus Lee. <laughs> Arm wrestling tournament. Oh, All God my money's on Rex. Arm wrestling tournament, or I want to see them... Uh, uh, wet t-shirt wrestle wet in t-shirt. a wet t-shirt wrestle in a kiddie sure. pool full of chocolate pudding. A wet t-shirt wrestle in Jesus a kiddie Christ. pool full of chocolate pudding. For fuck's I'm down. Sake. Uh, Three sixty-two. Lee Stamper, dude. All my money's on Rex. Jesus. Lee Stamper's Especially crushing my balls this, this week. Luther Vandross, never too much. Three sixty-two. Actually, seven, it's way too much. In the <laughs> in the seventies, Luther Vandross sang backup for Sister Sledge and Roberta Flack. We mm-hmm. like both of those guys. Shout out, Roberto. We Flack. do. We like those guys. And co-wrote David Bowie's Fascination. We like David Bowie too. Uh, I, mean, I don't like David Bowie. I love David Bowie. Aww. I was going to say, Jesus Christ, Bryce, get the that's, fuck out of here. That's cute. As a solo artist, he embodied sophisticated soul in the post-disco era. His Good debut LP shows off a dazzling range that came almost too easily. 
from the title track, one of the defining dance funk hits of the 80s, to his stunning rendition of the Burt Bacharach and Hal David classic, A House Is Not a Home, which made the song uncoverable for future generations of singers. Bryce has only written one page of notes on Luther Vandross, which is a huge slight to, to, to Luther Vandross. Hold on. I, I, maybe I was exaggerating a little bit. I, I might have two and a half. Under-exaggerating? Okay. Um, Here, here's my thing. Okay, go for it. So I listen. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, right? go. So I listened to this record, and the uh, the title is Never Too Much, and I have to beg to differ. My, my thing is, you know, like, when I first listened to this record, you know, it's pretty funky, and I like it, and, you know... Luther's kind of like talking about this chick that he loves and all that stuff. And I'm like, all right, cool. You, I can dig this. Like, this is like sexy love music, you know, like sexy funk. I get it. But then uh, he gets to a point where he, uh, man, I, I wish I was faster at reading my notes. Uh, he, he gets to a point where he starts talking about where he's not so loyal to his chick. And at the very beginning, it, you you feel like you're like, oh wow, this dude must really <laughs> love his chick. And then he gets to a point where you're like, oh dude, this guy doesn't really love his chick. And then he gets to a point where he's like, why did she leave me? And it's like, dude, you literally wrote a song. You about said how you were fucking multiple chicks girls. in a night. Uh, and it's like, hold on. Ah, it Lee Stamper says R.I.P. Rex. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put that out there. Uh, but it's I'm like, laughing at Lee's comments. I want you guys to laugh at Lee's comments too. No, Mike's, Mike's tired of Lee's comments. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, you, 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 you listen. Like, when I first too. started this album, I was pretty optimistic because I was like, all right, you know, I love funk music. I love the bass lines. This I, is I'm not digging funk, how he's like, let's, let's talk about loving each other. I'm like, all right, cool. This might be a great album. It's not funk, Mike, but and there then, is a lot of funk. To this, no, yeah, it's it's funky. It's, it's soul. It's not. It's fun. it's like jazzy R and B, uh, with some soul elements. But okay, so wait, time out. Like let's let's fucking dissect the all bass the words that you just threw out right there. And I knew you're there like, were a lot. You're like, this is not. This, I mean, this is not a funk record. This is not anything. This is jazzy R and B soul. Uh, I wouldn't say jazzy. Do you disagree with that? Listen, this is what I'm going to say. I would say I'm so sorry. Yeah. I want to um, hear what you got to say. Marcus Miller is the bass player on this record. Marcus Miller is a fucking champion, dude. A legend. He is unimpeachable with every single part. Like, to me, this record appearing at 362, which, by the way, I think that Parliament is probably too low. Like, I would like to see Parliament moved up 50 spots. Mm -hmm. right? I agree, like, but you have to consider that Maggot Brain is also on this list. That's not a Parliament Stop. record. Stop. God I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you where. Okay. I'm, I'm happy. I'm not spoiling it, but. I'm happy that Funkadelic has Maggot Brain on this list. I'm not and, telling you where. And Funkadelic has another record coming up, like, next week, basically. Literally next week. I but, know. I, I was hoping it was this week, too. But with. <laughs> With this Luther Vander, with this Luther Vandross record, Marcus Miller is a champ. Um, his bass playing is unimpeachable. It's so fantastic. Insofar as I can tell, that's the only reason why this fucking record is even on this list. Yes. Not to take anything away from Luther Vandross. Like, his voice is fine. Take it all away from him. But Mike. 
fuck off. Like this record Dude. is fucking hot shit. Yes. Like, I like there's <clears throat> nothing special about this fucking record to me. All it right. came out in 1981. Spoiler alert, there were other black men making pop music. All right. One of them was named Michael fucking Jackson, who did it infinitely better than Way Luther Vandross. And I know that we're going to see Thriller, which maybe, came out maybe, entirely Maybe different. more children were harmed in the this making is, this of is, like uh, said, this his is, album. This, this is one. an R&B. What I said before was, I said, this is jazzy R&B with elements of soul. That's exactly what I said. That doesn't make it great. I'm not saying it does, but I, I stand by that. And I think there's a lot of funk to this, but Michael Jackson's a pop star. That's pop music. It's entirely That's different. That's what this is. This they, is R&B. They, no, they're, they're no. different. This R&B is has always music. been a bit of a, a bit of an offshoot from pop. This album. And this is this is an excerpt of R&B from the 80s. The bass player disagrees with you. I love you, I love you. you, JB. Because the bass player is a this, funk bass player. This album is different right? than that. No, this, it's this not. This album is different than that. It's not about the label. The, of, because this album, this album was not destined to be a pop album. Like this album no, was Bryce, clearly you destined you didn't to be hear like me an right. R&B album. I was differentiating this from pop. Yeah, I was JB, saying this was not pop. You guys are saying oh, the same thing. Okay. You guys are saying the same thing. What I'm saying though is that this was a pop. This was top 40. Oh, so we we both disagree with you. Yeah, you guys both disagree <laughs> with me. Well, what I'm okay. saying is that this was top 40. It was made accessible from the exquisite bass playing of Marcus Miller. And that's what made it accessible. And you don't as, think the bass playing's funky? You don't think it brings elements of funk to it? Yeah, it's a no, little bit no, of funky. Course he, of course he does, but, but you have to realize, JB, we don't have the privilege that you have. As <laughs> bass players, we're, we're not like thought of as like first in command. Sorry, you guys take this. I'll, like, I'll like, sit back. We're, we're really just not. Like, like, when it comes to like, fucking what is a popular album? Can you name one popular album where like the bass is the front and center of it? I don't know. I've never listened to the bass. So. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Dude, you're here's a guitar the thing. player. But I don't want to I don't want to yeah. say that Luther Vandross is not fucking talented. I agree. Right? This agree. record this record is fine. It's not my cup of tea. But for fuck's sake, like you're talking about some dog shit 80s radio crap. From 1981, where, sure, he's got it. Like, his voice is fine. His voice is fucking fine. But it's for okay. the fucking love of God, like, we're talking about the greatest 500 albums of all time. And right? if you want to throw this in at 389 because you want to throw Luther Vandross a fucking bone because the guy's dead, but hey, all right. But, hey, don't worry. 10,000 Days doesn't belong on this list. No, not even that. How about Anima? Yeah. Really? Actually, I think it's pronounced Like, what the fuck did this album influence? Right. And you don't have a... Like, I don't... Well, give me... Let me me speak for a minute here. Okay. Uh, I don't know what made you guys think I was, like, on the other side of this coin from you guys. No, I don't think that at all, (laughs) by the way. Because I don't hate this record as much as you guys do. JP, I will fight you to the death. All right, we'll fight to the death after this. But uh, I don't don't think this... uh, I don't think this should be on the list. I, I, I'm on the same Dude, side of the coin I, as you guys. I, I, I don't know why this turned into like a like a videotape situation. <laughs> I totally agree. I mean, like, here's the deal. If it belongs on the list, the only reason it belongs on the list is because of Marcus Miller. Like, well, also, which I actually, you know, I didn't know. 
was the bass player until Mike told me so. I also I mean, really like, think because I, I think when, that he has Luther Vandross has a really good voice, and I think eh, that I'm not it's okay. terribly upset with it being on here. If it if I was making a list, this is not going to be on my list. Okay, he's got an okay but voice, a, but is it top 500 voice? I think he's got a really good voice. I think he's got a really good top voice. 500 voice. <laughs> no. I don't, think, I don't so. think the art is top 500, but his voice certainly stands up with some other singers better. that are on this top 500 list for sure. Here's but I don't be, think the art overall. I'm, like, I'm going to give you what I thought about. I thought about this, right? If you want to call this R&B mm. or soul. Mike could sing better. We would also. No, I cannot. <laughs> I definitely cannot. He's he's really talented. No, he he no. But there wasn't Luther that really talented. There wasn't that long ago that we listened to another R and B slash soul singer, and it wasn't a he. Granted, it was a she, and it was Mariah Carey, the Emancipation of Mimi. Like it's funny that you mentioned that. In all honesty, the Emancipation of Mimi. If you're gonna like, if you're gonna look at this as a genre of music and say. We need to recognize really, really good work that's done within this genre of music. How the fuck is that record not more impressive than this one? Right? It's funny that you mentioned that because Luther Vandross has collaborated with Mariah Carey. I'm sure that he has. Yeah. Listen, uh, but again, I don't, like, I don't want this to be. I don't want this to be like a Mike fucking hates Luther Vandross. This is not going to be that. Nobody thinks that. But what is clear is that you don't think it should be on the list. Fuck and no. what I want to make clear as well is that I'm kind of right there with you. I think I liked it more than you guys did for sure. Like, did I, you put? Did you put any stars next to any? Yes, song? I put stars against a couple of them. Okay, I put two stars on the song I've been working. I thought it was a really good baseline. I know that's going to be going right up the alley with what you're saying. Yeah. The rest of it, though, it was almost like a Steely Dan-esque kind of funk jazz groove to it. Um, a great synth solo in the middle of that. And the vocals were good. Like, he, he has a really good voice. Anyone saying that he doesn't is is just crazy. Like, it's not this Michael isn't Jackson, about- but it's not. But he has a great voice. And that's... I mean, I guess that's my point, right? We're but I also, about- I do think it's a different field. It's not the same same exact thing. Did Michael Jackson dip into this territory? But this, yes. But this is all one territory. And it's all R&B with soul. With, it's pretty funky. It'll be really interesting oh. when we talk about the next record. Well, what, what <laughs> like, thing I'll say about this album is... Get closer did, to your I, microphone. Oh, sorry. One thing I will say about this album, um, I was not a huge fan of this album. I didn't hate this album. Hate is a huge word. I, I did not hate it. But I will say, like, one of my favorite parts about this experience is, even though I did not like this album, um, I can find things that I like in songs, even though I, I might not like the whole song. You're going to find pieces that you like. Yeah, the song could be three minutes long. Maybe I like ten seconds of it. Um, This album really made me realize that. You know, and like, you know, Marcus Miller, of course, is the fucking Smashes, dude. Yeah, he's he's the star. He's the star of this record. And like, when I I listened to this record, I actually, I texted JB and I was like, I liked all of them, but one album. You guys were both texting like, me about that on the same day. He was day. like, what, the Black Parade? And I was like, no, the Luther. I was hoping Ross it record. wasn't going to be the Black you Parade. Know, like, because well, because I fucking listened to this, and I was like, oh, Bryce is going to love this because of the bass lines. And no. then when you said there was one album you didn't like, I was like, 
Fucking tell me it wasn't the black parade. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, here here's the deal. I mean, if this album was only instrumental, it would be way high up on my list. Yeah, the ba- the band was fucking wasn't. tight on this. The band was super tight, dude. Super band, good band. Not only the bass player, the rest of the band the is really good. The whole fucking band, the whole band, and the whole entire band. When I listened to this album, I was like. This whole fucking band is tight. As and a matter of fact, I would put this album way higher up if there was no fucking singer. Well, time out. Listen, Luther Vandross is not untalented. No, I'm not, not at saying all. This that. is not this is not a this is not an indictment on his talent. I agree. Right? It is an indictment on we're talking about the greatest, the greatest five hundred albums, albums of all time. Of all time. I, if it was the greatest three thousand albums of all time, we'd probably be on board. The greatest but, one thousand. But the fact is, I could give it. The 1, fact 000. is that five hundred were not right. No. My thing right. is, if you eliminated all of the lyrics from this album, then you think the literally the music, to the it, lyrics are fucking hot. You would shit, be like, dude. holy shit. All that's, of the instrumental from this album is great. I mean, even it might belong. Maybe it doesn't belong this high up. You talked but about it would belong on the list. You talked about I've been working. Yeah. Right. I literally wrote lyrics are goofy and reek of the eighties. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. No doubt about it. Because it was from the eighties. But Yeah, but you know, dude, we've listened to so much other stuff from the eighties, like Rush Moving Pictures is from the eighties. Yeah, late eighties. And we yeah. didn't know. Was it what 80, the fuck are you talking about? Was it not 87? For some reason, I thought it was 87. My thing is, like, every now and then you have a song that's Wait really it. great, and Wait it doesn't it. require lyrics. Like, Wait for it. you'll have a song that's 81. so good, fuck, and it I knew it was 81. Uh, why don't you read Rex's thoughts, and then you read about the next album, because let's move on. None of us think this is belongs on the list. I know. Let's move on. Let's do the last one. I'll be right back. All right. Rexy baby, uh, and I hate to say this, like I'm gonna say it extra loud so that way you can hear this, JB. So, Rex says, "Oh Luther, with your silky smooth panty melting voice, <laughs> panty melting. You had been raising the humidity for decades. Since his passing, we've seen a significant rise in droughts. It's not global climate change. It's because Luther died. There are sign- there are certain tracks that just emanate 1980s R&B. Most are fun and lively tracks. He had such an impressive tone and such strength with his voice. Such an impressive and talented singer. This is a great album. It really is." Rex, I man, I love you like a brother, and I don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying in terms of the quality of his voice, but the substance to me is what just fucking it's ball crushing how terrible. I'll agree. The but, lyrics are, but here's the deal. All right, so like you know, you got to take a person. You know, like if Rex listens to this album. Mm-hmm. And he has a good time. I can't discredit that. I mean, like, I don't know, man. Like, you and I, like, we're musicians. And so is JB. So, like, we listen to an album like this, and it's super cheesy to us. But I can't deny if somebody like Rex listens to this album and has a good time. And loves it. Like, yeah. Well, and that actually, that's the beauty of music. That doesn't have anything to do with the fact that. I play or JB or you plays. I mean, that's just our opinion, man. Yeah. I mean, like, it really, at the end of the day, like, I, 
was not a big fan of this album. Actually, as a matter of fact, my note was never too much. My first note was I beg to differ. <laughs> there was way too much. Because you know what my number one problem with this album was? My number one problem with this album was the beginnings of the, all of the songs were great. At the very beginning of the song, I was hooked. I was ready to go. I was like, all right, let's hear it. It's going to be funky. It's going to be great. But almost every single song, the last two minutes were the hook. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. It didn't evolve past that point. It was like, almost like if the song was never too much, it's like, never too much, never too much, <laughs> never too much. And like, it never evolved past that. Yeah. It, it, it okay. didn't get better than that. Hang on. And that's what fucked me up on this album. And like, to the point where like, even Luther started scatting. And it's like, <laughs> dude, it's like you're not even saying words. Like, you just want to hear your voice. Listen, let's move on. I, but I, I want to, for this next one, I do want to, I want to fuck up the order a little bit on this. And you'll understand why. Okay, so we're going to move on to my morning, or uh, my morning jacket. If only. I'm sorry. Yeah, that doesn't even appear on this list. Fuck off. If only. It'd be, um, better, it'd be better than the fucking last you gonna read Rex first. listen to. Yes, so I'll read Rolling Stone, and then I'm immediately going to read Rex before we get into our discussion about number 361. Dude, Rex is the real deal. Which is from... Oh, I've read Rex's email, and it's harsh. Which is from 2006, um, the last album that we're going to talk about tonight. And we'll try and keep it short, because this has been a really long podcast, but um, Bryce has been... (laughs) Bryce has been wonderful, and this has been a lot of fun, especially with Lee Stamper watching Sorry, live. So um, from 2006, we're going to next talk about My Chemical Romance's album, The Black Parade. Rolling Stone says, just as The Who did with Tommy or Pink Floyd Holy with The Wall. shit, they compared New- The Who to, to fucking My Chemical Romance. <laughs> New Jersey act My Chemical Romance served up an era-defining rock opera, Tyler tailored for the golden age of emo frontman gerard way the goth millennial answer to da- to david bowie stars as a cancer patient who marches boldly into the afterlife the black parade where liza Mor- where liza minnelli of all people awaits for him for awaits him for a smashing horror punk duet with the song mama holy shit was that actually liza minnelli Yes. I didn't realize that. And she that. is credited in that song. Okay, so, you go that's read, awesome. You go read Rex. Before we go on any farther, yeah, I, I, do, <laughs> I do want to read Rex's comments. By the so, way, I'm sorry I laughed during that. I mean, it's not to discredit this album, but holy fucking shit. Okay, okay. Just hold on to those <laughs> thoughts. Okay, so Rex says, okay, this one is infuriating. I'm just going to let loose, and I don't give a shit what anyone says about my rant. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Rex. I want you to get ready to read Lee Stamper's comments. Okay. okay. Oh, man. I don't give a shit what anyone says about my rant. Buckle up. No, just fucking no, you piece of shit motherfucking hipsters. Oh, this man. goddamn album should not be this far ahead of Tupac, Eric Church, Big Brother in the Holding Company. Fuck your church. I hope you fuckers get anally raped by the tusks of a <laughs> walrus. Your choice is bullshit, much like your apparel choices have been. <laughs> wait, apparel choices have been in the past. Questionable. Oh my God. Fuck you, Rolling Stone. Get diddled by your uncle again. <laughs> Rant over. 
I get what he's saying by the parallel so, choices. I'm going to read okay, Lee's so Stamper. Now let's let, we're <laughs> instantly we're instantly going to cut to Lee Stamper. For this juxtaposition, we have Lee Stamper. Of onlylee.com <laughs> for those who are unaware. Uh Lee Stamper. Maybe my oh hormones my were just in the right place when this album came out, but this is an all-time album for me. <laughs> I've listened to it hundreds of times. I know every word and note of it by heart. Fuck yeah, Lee. I'll start by saying this band was a victim of their own image. Their yep. stupid makeup and the yep. emo scene made them a oh, joke yeah. to most people, but they are extremely talented musicians and songwriters. Yes. When this album came out, I remember reading the Rolling Stone cover story about how this was MCR doing their best Queen impression. But to that, I said Queen fucking wishes they ever made an album this good. What the oh, fuck, Lee no, Stamper? On, Lee. I was with you right until then, you hey, fucking listen, motherfucker. We call it only Lee for a reason. You're the only one that feels that way, dude. You're the only one that ever had that <laughs> thought in the fucking history of planet Earth. Lee, I like you. I've never met you. But you're the only one. That Lee, I, I got to say, buddy, I was with you until that point yeah, in your me message. Me too, man. You, dude, you were Let me go ahead and finish. Let me go ahead and finish Lee's thoughts, though. This is a top 150 for me, and that's hedging to not sound too insane. I'm glad you hedged, Lee. That was necessary there. And it's not even the best MCR album. I've tried getting Mike to listen to MCR. You know, going back to that comment, dude, it's not you, even the best MCR. Hold on, read it's not Mike. even the best MCR album. Um, I'm curious what your other one is because the one that I got really into Lee was three cheers for sweet revenge, which was the record that came before this. Anyways, to finish, I've tried getting Mike to listen to MCR many times to no avail. Um, probably because you were saying shit like it was better than queen Lee. I'm glad this forced his hand. It's a masterpiece. And my message to you is a paraphrased quote from the album. If you don't have much nice to say, I think I never liked you anyway. So Mike, you probably heard, you probably read the email, but like I was totally with everything that Lee said until he said, MCR is doing their best in queen impression, but to say to that, I say that Queen fucking wishes they ever made an album this good. Here, here's the deal. I I hate to speak for Mike. I want to speak for myself. I know that these guys don't want to be Queen, and they're not trying to do. Yeah, they're not queen trying impression. to be Queen. So to say that about them is, it's not right. It's unfair. I mean, like. They're not trying to do that. <laughs> Bryce, that's, thank you so that's much. Not, that's not their goal. I mean, here's the deal. When I when I listened to this album, I expected to hate it. Because I, did too. I, I grew up, you know, like at this time, like teenagers. <laughs> dude, I was 16. How old are, wait, I was you're 16 be 20, when that song came out. You're 28 right now, right? Yeah. Okay. So okay. I was 16 when that song came out. That song Welcome to the Black is Parade. my fucking anthem, right? Yeah, you we know? were. So like... When I listened to this album, it just brought about a whole bunch of memories, you know, like, but at the same time, you know, you have to, you have to understand, I'm, I'm pretty versed in music. I cannot even compare this shit to Queen. Like, you would have to be high as 
balls to compare this to Queen. Yeah, I'm not against you there, not Bryce. Not even close to Queen. Um, not even close. And it's this, great. For me, this record came out like like I was obsessed with the one that came before this, which was probably when I was 12 years old. And uh, just to confirm, Lee Stamper commented and said three cheers. That's the one he's talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Three cheers for Sweet Revenge came before this. Um, I do want to read a couple comments from users that came before this, though. So Lee says, fucking fight me, Rex. I'll fly to Iowa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then hold on, wait a minute. Where, hold on, where, what are the bet margins? Yeah, we'll figure I'll that out. But on, I'll put money on Rex. He then, seems pretty strong. And then this is another funny comment. Uh, Chuck Scott, who's actually he's a student of mine. He's a great guy. He commented on it. He said, "You guys need to get a pee jug to pass under the table." <laughs> yeah, I'm all, I'm all down for that, especially for me, man. Thank so you, sorry, Chuck. <laughs> Our how bladders. Do you, how do you know we don't? Bladders are weak. Already. Unlike this show, our bladders are weak. Um. Okay, but somebody a couple of me a little bit of this. A couple of comments. Um, first and foremost, Queen never Queen never produced a concept album, right? And I mean, I'm not crazy on that. Like Queen never produced a concept album. What I think My Chemical Romance was doing. I mean, listen, what they would, were doing. Would you here consider was, this a concept album? Yes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a concept album. So this, so if you view, and that's and that's really what changed me on this album in particular is, and Lee Stamper's right. Lee tried to get me to listen to AFI. He tried to get mm. me to listen to My Chemical Romance, and I just, I mean, listen, I'm definitely a lot older than you guys, right? No, that's true. But I am. I'm you fucking I, fifteen you years older you, than you guys. Hold on. You and I have one thing in common. We're yeah. both parents. So Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I will tell you, our oldest our oldest just turned thirteen. And not only that, but when teenagers came out, this song on this album, I was I was sixteen years old. Okay, so, so so as a parent of a teenager, when you heard teenagers, how how much did you cringe when you heard Teenagers skill uh teenagers scare the living shit out of me because well, my thirteen year old scares the living shit out of okay, me. Okay, so <laughs> all right, so my oldest is getting ready to turn twenty five and I have a son that just turned twenty four. Mike, did you did and you sell on. your soul to the devil? No, but no, but get a load of this. So my twenty four year old uh Mikey was super excited for me to listen to this record. Because he knew that I didn't have a lot of exposure to it. And he and his friend, um, his best friend in high school, um, a super talented tattoo artist, by the way, named um, named um, named Ryan. Like, Ryan and Mikey used to apparently sit around in each other's bedrooms and, like, scream this song out loud. Like, That's this was, awesome. This was an anthem. Yes. Like, yeah, man. This was an anthem for them. Dude, hell yeah. And... And he told me that going into it. And so when I listened to it, I thought to myself, fuck, like, I get why he latched on to this song. That's like, awesome. I totally understand why when he was at that age listening to the song, it was perfect for him. And, and I would have been in the exact same boat. At the same time, you know, when this music came out, I wasn't. I was fucking nowhere near that boat, right? Yeah. I mean, I was just, I was nowhere near it 
And so for me, the connection with this record really comes from the standpoint of it's a concept album about a young person dying of cancer. And if you think about the lyrical content of all of these songs being from the viewpoint of somebody that has cancer and is getting ready to die or is contemplating the idea of death, um, when you couple that with the fact that like we have a super, super dear relative to our entire family who was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer last August and she... Like she stopped taking chemo um, a month ago and she's getting ready to die. I mean, that's just, it's fucking real. And so like going through that right now, relative to listening to this song, listening to all of these songs, dude, it's not the same perspective, right? Cause these songs are written from the perspective of a young person that's, that's facing death. But listen, Death's a bitch, right? It's gonna make you feel things. Yeah. He, he, here's the it's, thing. Death is <clears throat> death is like death no matter is, what dude, death is what a I bitch. Uh, it's the it's the final destination for all of us. It is. Um, and no matter I, I, where you're at at your stage <clears throat> in life, like when you think about some of these lyrics, whether it's "Welcome to the Black Parade," whether it's "Teenager" to a certain extent, um, "Mama" was huge for me. Um, the fucking song "Cancer." Jesus Christ, dude! dude. Hey, like, listen, there's um, so much to unpack here, and especially relative to what I'm experiencing right now with my family, with my life. Um, it 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 at least opened a doorway that was. Um, do, you, do you have it, somebody it wasn't there for me before? Do you have somebody currently uh, experiencing cancer in your life right yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. Who? Yeah, uh, my wife's aunt, who is. Um, it's you know normally I think most people would think of um, of like ants as like somewhat distant relatives, but nope. this woman was fuck that. No, this woman They're was family. actually like um no, this woman was like a mother to m- more than my wife, and yeah. she's Their family. She's like she, I mean she's literally one of the most important people in our extended family, and, what, what, and she's getting ready to die. Yeah, like it's what, hard. What cancer is she going through? She has pancreatic cancer. So she's going to die. My uh, my grandma recently went through cancer and um, she had stage four. I, man, I can't remember what cancer she had. Um, but she had a, uh, what is it called when you get like all your lady parts removed? A hysterectomy. Yeah. yeah. She had to get a full hysterectomy. Like, God, it was, it was crazy, you know, like, and that, that all happened in the same year as the pandemic. And, um, the year before the pandemic, her husband, my grandpa, died. And it was it was really fucking hard on me, man. And um to listen uh what what song is it by uh MCR that talked about cancer? <laughs> fucking all of them. <laughs> no, the like no the the big one though. Well there is one that's called cancer. Yeah, yeah. cancer. Like yeah. like when I listened to that song. Like, I remember, like, and you know, like, I don't have the time to, like, read through all of my notes I got here, but I, I remember I wrote, I was like, man, I did not expect to cry during this album, you know, like, and I so cried cancer. because, like, you know, the year after my grandpa passed away, my grandma got, like, stage four fucking cancer. Like, she beat it, thankfully, but, you know, it's like, 
Yeah, she's dude, good awesome. now. Yeah, she's good know, now. Like, that is yeah. great. That is great news. We she, should celebrate that. She's good yeah, now, but it's like it's like goddamn. You know, like you don't get a break. And I, I just love how um, is what's his name Gerard Way. Yeah, yeah. Like I love how dude he is a musician's musician. Like he like the way he writes his lyrics. Like the is he responsible for like arranging a lot of the songs? Yeah, is I, he really? I feel like I feel like he is. I well, mean, he's, like, he's wrote and he's so wrote creative. most of them. Wow. So um, like, I don't know if, if he I, had much to do with the orchestral arrangements, songs, of which like, there were a little bit. But, maybe, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but like when I listen to these songs, I like I give him a lot of the credit. Yeah. You know, like I feel like, God, man, you know, like you you listen to a lot of the songs in that era that are like emo songs or whatever, but like he puts so much intention. Behind those songs yeah like Ger- gerard's the man yeah, yeah he was the man um and i gotta say like I, I was thinking about i mean i was thinking about both of you a lot when i was listening to this because there's no way that you guys were going to go through this record and not think of both of the respective situations um that your families have going on right now so you know my thoughts were with both you guys in a good way you know for better or for worse on throughout this but so yeah you know, I know you're going through a whole lot, Mike, and uh, just know that we're here for you, as we always are on this list sucks. We're a family here. Isn't that right? <laughs> That's right. Hey, Super listen, fan. this list sucks, but not yeah. everything sucks. Not everything sucks, but... Especially, like, musically with this album. Um, <laughs> dude, I love palm muting. I love palm muted guitars so much. Like, Dude, yeah. it's so great. I, I love I, halftime grooves. Like, I, halftime I love, grooves with palm muted guitars. It's it's really hard to do, actually. It's really fucking hard like, to do. Like, people hear bass. it, they're like, oh, that's cool. But, like, when I try to palm mute on bass, it's like, it's hard. It's, it's hard. not easy. It is. Uh, Cancer was actually one of the few songs that I gave five stars to. Yeah. I thought that was an incredible song. Uh, really, really nice mm-hmm. piano. That song was mostly Gerard's vocals and, and piano, piano. Yeah. and it was just heart wrenching lyrics. The, the hook was the hardest part of this is leaving you, which I was just like, "Fuck, man, fuck." Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, you know what I mean? You know? Yeah. And, I will uh, say, um, there was a few times on this album, um, not to like diss MCR or anything, but like I, I like I heard like Billy Corgan, you know. Really? Yeah. No, for sure. I, I think. Uh, what song? Why would that be a diss? I know. No, I like what, Billy. That's Corgan. what I'm saying. It's not a yeah, diss. Yeah, it's not a diss. It's not a diss. I feel like I didn't necessarily you know, like, hear they that. Kinda, they kind of pulled from like some Smashing Pumpkins, you know. Like I definitely heard the Queen, uh, um, and I definitely heard the David Bowie. The the Queen so, especially. Uh, a lot this of is good- how I disappear. Um, one of the notes I wrote was uh, Billy Corgan inspired vocals. Um. I, I can't remember why. The but, fucking I mean, groove. Like, I, Where like is that? I said, I, I, I wrote all the of these third while track. I was listening to the song. Oh, yeah. So. Okay. The third track. The groove that they drop into after the second fucking chorus. Heavy fucking metal, dude. So metal, dude. It's, it's like so speed good. metal. It's like speed there, metal. There was a couple of times where but it's I was like a listening to groove, this though. album. Yeah. Yeah, the, there was definitely a few times where I was listening to this album. I was like, "Holy shit, dude! They're throwing it down." When I so the first cold listen that I did with this album, I was walking and like that song in particular. Like I remember where I was at, and when they drop into that like halftime palm muted fucking metal groove, I remember I was walking. And I was just like, "Fuck!" 
Hell yeah. yeah. Like I was just kind of fucking just like chunking. It's fucking impossible not to. It's so good. That shit was super dope. And so that song actually reminded me a lot of the early My Chemical Romance, even before the album that came before this. Like, first of all, you can't have a little off topic here, but you can't have a My Chemical Romance album without having vampires referenced in the lyrics and they're referenced on a couple of the tunes. Yeah. But like some of the early, early My Chemical Romance. This is how I disappear. Sounded like a super refined version of that. So well, go back and listen to some of the really, really early My Chemical Romance, um, and then listen to listen to that album, and you'll you'll see what I mean. It's just it's just it's that, but with refinery. It's all harmonic minor. It's, that's what it is for those well, music theory nerds that are listening along. Have you seen uh, any of the uh, Umbrella Academy? Oh yeah. Mike, so you? like, uh, oh god, what's, what's the dude's name? Which one? Uh, the uh, weird guy. Klaus. Klaus, yeah. How did I guess so, that? So like, no, because you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, so like when I listen to a lot of those lyrics, like I definitely understand where like where Gerard Way is like drawing into Klaus. So like, that's one of two graphic novels that Gerard Way has written about entirely different subjects. This guy is incredibly talented. Hey, do you know, is and there super more creative. than one super MCR creative. album on the top 500? No, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure this is probably only it. Um, I, I would not it imagine. It better be if there's no fucking Zappa albums. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amen, brother. But uh, I don't think there's any more. But this guy is incredibly talented. This guy reminds me of, and this is a band that there's certainly none of. Dude, Gerard is... Super talented. Yeah, hold on a sec, I'm though. happy it's on this list. Hold on one sec. So uh, this is kind of reminds me of uh, the lead singer of the band Coheed and Cambria. You guys familiar with that band at all? Yeah. So th- that guy. He's like almost more high-pitched and more obnoxious than Geddy Lee. Yeah. That's funny because I, I used to, to listen to Coheed and Cambria when I was a kid, and my mom was like, this sounds like Rush. Turn this shit off. Yeah, that's and what my mom, dad that said was, too. Uh, it's not a, I don't mean that in a bad my way. My dad was like, this sounds like my Rush, but worse. No, my mom likes Rush now, okay. but she didn't like Geddy Lee's voice, um, and that's what you said, Mom. So whether that's you great. believe, whether yeah, you remember or not, I, that's I exactly love you, what mom. you said. I she love you, Mom, but she's she high. more than welcome <laughs> to change her mind. No, but uh, <laughs> she didn't like Cody and Cambria because it sounded like Rush. Um, but anyways, the, the guy was similar. He's a super talented writer, um, writes fucking progressive rock music. Yep. And at the same time, writes graphic novels about stories that he comes up with his, in his mind. And that's what Gerard way is doing here. So they kind of remind me of each other in that way, but it just, just talent is oozing out of this guy. Like he, he, definitely here. Here's the deal. Like Gerard way, like I, I don't love this album. From My Chemical Romance. Um, but I do love Umbrella Academy. Um, Gerard Way is super talented. He, he he Here's the thing. Gerard Way is like, he's embodied by his craft. That's what he does. And I respect him for it. I, so um, for My Chemical Romance to be on this list, I can't say whether or not they belong on this position, but they do definitely belong on this list. Especially yeah. for me in my childhood, like Well just snapshot I, your childhood. I, no, but I remember growing up, you know, like when people are starting to um get their own musical taste. You know, like when I grew up it's like 
your dad and mom listen to this music. And, like, you listen to it, but then you find out about, like, other bands. And that was my chemical romance for a lot of people my age, you know? So, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like my chemical romance is a big deal. Yeah. I, Mike. um... <laughs> So this one's so this one's really weird for me, right? Because Lee Stamper's talking about how like he tried to turn me on to this music. And I mean, there's a big age gap between me and Lee Stamper. Huge like the age. very first time that I ever met Huge. Lee Stamper, I played catch with this kid, right? Like like <laughs> yeah, for those who are not aware, Lee dad. Stamper is currently <laughs> seventeen years old. <laughs> <laughs> That um, way, hold on. That kind of messes up the only Lee.com thing. It does mess uh, that Lee up. Stamper is 18 he's, years he's old. He's definitely 18 years old. <laughs> um, I, I was definitely not in a mindset where I think that I could have connected with this, but at the same time, um, weird things happen at weird times for a reason. And, you know, this podcast is coming at a time where, I'm really glad that I found this music. Yeah. Not because it's like cathartic or um, not because it's necessarily special to me, but particularly from a lyrical content standpoint, um, you know, music, music is always about connection in some capacity, whether it's musically or whether it's lyrically. And this album has created a connection with me that, um, you know, had it not been the things that I'm going through right now in my own personal life, I would probably have immediately cast this album off and said, oh, fuck this. Like, this doesn't belong here. This is nonsense. But given what I've gone through, I really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate the unbelievable creativity that it took not just from a lyrical standpoint, because the lyrics are really important and the lyrics are really what created that connection for me. But musically, this is really good too. The music is solid too. Yeah, yeah. but at the, it's really at, good. At the same time, like, can you acknowledge the fact that like it brought you back to a certain point in time? Probably not like, for him because this wasn't like, you no. gotta understand, this wasn't like, he wasn't listening to this stuff when we were that age. This that was me you back. and me, but not for him. He doesn't this actually. Remember. You know what, Mike? You're like uh fucking uh what is it like uh Doctor Manhattan or whatever? Like I No, I'm not Doctor Manhattan. I don't even, but... I don't even know how, how old you are. Well and that's well and that's and that's the tricky thing, right? Is that like I'm I mean, I'm fifteen years older than you. I'm forty four. Mike, Mike so. is thirty years old. <laughs> Mike is 30 years old. I have no idea. No, and so that's like, that's that's what gets... Mike just turned 44. Can yeah. you believe that, Bryce? That's what gets weird for me. Is You're that, 44, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, just turned 44. Did you know that? So Mike has no connection where, to this Where's Ashton Kutcher? I'm, I'm being... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but but here here's the deal. I mean, you, you don't act like that, you know? Like No, I don't. No, not Because 44-year-olds are in general a bunch of assholes, but not him. For the most part, no, yeah. No, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but I, like, what I do, what I do really, really appreciate now is that, you know, you and Lee and JB, like, all of you guys connected to this for totally different reasons, but that's what makes music so unbelievably beautiful and powerful. Here's the deal. At the end of the day, 
at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what music you like. We like to have fun. We like to listen to music, and we like to have a good time. Well, and that's it's, it. And it's the connection. Who cares? Music. Do you like hip hop? Cool. Do you like rock? Cool. If you if who if, gives a fuck? We if, like to have a good time. We like to listen to music. We like to party. Well, and if music can connect you in a way that you wouldn't have been connected otherwise, like that's that's the beauty, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the magic. Is yeah. that it doesn't matter if you're 44, if you're 29, if you're if you're fucking 12. Like if there's if there's a lyrical connection, if there's a musical connection, my daughter connection, is six and loves fish. That's it. That's awesome. Uh, that's so, anyways, w- my black parade on the list, off the list. What do you think? Definitely the, on the d- list. Listen, it's definitely on the list. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of. Oh, I'm actually, I'm actually okay with the placement. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily want to move it up a ton. If it fell by thirty spots, I wouldn't be upset. But I'd probably keep it in the top four hundred. So in for my, me, this, in my opinion, I think it should be. If it were a little bit higher, I would not be upset. Only because, like, I feel like MCR did a really good job in their genre where a lot of people followed them. Yeah. So, like... The influence. If if people that followed them, you know, like, had great success, it was because of them. So, I, I wouldn't be upset if it was just a little bit higher because when it came to, like, emo rock... Those guys killed it, and they did a re- they did a really good job. They were definitely heralds of the emo rock age. Personally, I'm cool where it's at. I'm with Mike. If it dropped down a little bit, I'm not upset. I agree. It could drop forty to fifty, and I'm okay with it. Yep. Yeah. Honestly, if it's on too. the list, I'm happy. But you know what? It was a good episode here. Let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about what's coming up next week, Mike. So coming up at three sixty, we have Funkadelic, One Nation Under a Groove. Oh man. Oh, hey, can man. I ask you a question about that? Have you tried to fucking find that album yet? Yes, because it is not on Spotify. Thank I'm, you. It's not on Apple Music. Okay, either. I was wondering that too because I was looking for it today. I was Look at the gym YouTube. and I was listening. And I was like, "Where the fuck?" And I moved on. I listened to Big Star, which is sorry to spoil that, but you go ahead and read that off, Mike. Well, yeah, but we got to circle back around. I think it's this probably on YouTube, right? Funkadelic it's probably on YouTube. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so 359, we're going to talk about the 1974 album Big Star entitled Radio City. And then 358 is Sonic Youth's Goo. Can't wait to dig into that. 357, Tom Dude, Waits. I can't believe it took this long for Sonic Youth to get on the Rain Dogs. List. And 356 is Dr. John Gris Gris. Gris, Gris? Yeah. I don't know. Gris, Dr. John. I was in Dr. John, yeah. I, I, I fucking took five years of French. <laughs> okay. Um, ah, you son of a bitch. All right, guys. Bryce, thank you for being here. Thank you, Bryce. I just want to say uh, thank you very much for letting me be on this podcast. Will you come back? Dude, I'll come back anytime you want. Hot damn. All right, we'll have you back. <laughs> yeah, we're Thanks, Bryce. Back. Thanks for being here. Thanks for everybody for listening. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys R. I. P. next Doom. week. Okay. All caps when he spells his name. That was perfect. This sucks. This sucks. This sucks. This list sucks. It sucks. Bye bye. Goodbye. Happy Friday. <laughs>